Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Tuesday afternoon edition. A little bit scruffy today. Hope you don't mind. Bit of a busy weekend, to say the least, as we have had lots to talk about in Division Three this week, but I was out of town over the weekend with non-Division Three related work. Still catching up with a little bit of coffee. You hope you are enjoying the last week of the regular season. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome in. You can get us on the social medias at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, the only one, the exception to that is Facebook, where it's facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the program there, in fact, today. You can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville, where we are also live simulcasting the program but thanks to our friends at team one sports where we have our stream going whether you find it on maybe one of your uh, amazon devices uh, fire stick or roku or um, apple tv or wherever just like you can find a number of division three conferences out there in um, web streaming world they have their networks up on the same system that we do so hope you're enjoying it there uh, you can get in touch with us also via email, hoopsville at d3sports.com. All the information, if you're watching us, is at the bottom of your screen. Um, quick update. Uh, we'll talk more about it later. Up in the upper corner, you see donations. Stagnant. Um, I need to update that, honestly. I will check it throughout the show to see if I've missed any. But we're taking some donations. We've also, on the show page, added something I figured I'd just take a swing at. A few people have contacted us over the years going, hey, is there any particular equipment or needs that you need for the studio or when you go on the road with production so i put it together a bit of a wish list as it were and i did indicate priorities some of them are definitely pie in the sky ideas um, and you don't have to purchase them on that list you can just take them as a suggestion and go find them somewhere else if you want to there's no qualms about that but uh, all the information is there we provide that link on the show page we'll talk a little bit more about it at the end of the program uh last time we talked to you we were announcing the top 16s if they were to be part of the tournament last week that was through the quote-unquote week two regional rankings those certainly triggered a lot of discussion we had a great show and i want to thank everybody who participated and all of you who tuned in we had uh, a huge amount of people tune into that program uh in fact, hold on a second. I want to double check because um, what I found interesting about it was for the last two years we've done it, it has been one of the biggest shows that we have done. But uh, let's see. I know how many numbers. We were just about the same as last year, in fact. And a number of you watched it live, which is great. Two-thirds of everybody watched the show live. The other third watched it. I'm sorry. No, one-third of you watched it live. Two-thirds of you watched it on demand, which is part of why we put the shows on demand. That's the whole point as it were so again thank you to everybody who uh who joined us and participated and were part of that and really appreciate everybody's support on that and look forward to uh doing it in the future as well so there you go uh, a little bit of everything uh lots to talk about division three off and running let's talk about the good news if you like talking division three sports there has been one place to do it um in division three it's been the d3 boards for Geez, more than, oh, we're closing in on three decades here. Well, we're in the third decade, I should say. But you go to D3 boards, it used to be called Posting Up, and you would talk Division Three basketball, Division Three football, and many of other sports out there as well. Um, as a result of that, um, there were a lot of, it was very popular. 
but it uh, it showed its age earlier this year or last year, end of last year, and finally kind of gave up the ghost is what I thought it did. Turns out Pat Coleman was trying to do a lot of work behind the scenes to get it back up and running without losing the nearly three decade, full decades of oral history of Division Three. Uh, a lot of people thought, well, maybe you should just start over. Well, I thought the better his he thought the better choice, and I agreed with him. Not that I had any decision making in that, was to try and resurrect it. It has been resurrected. D3 Boards is back as of today. Yes, there are months worth of information and conversations that have not been had. We'll catch up now. D3 Boards is back in business, both for the posting up section, the D3 baseball section, D3 football section, D3 soccer section, and the other Division Three sports, which includes lacrosse, track, cross-country, softball, even D3 volleyball. It is back. D3boards.com. Check it out. If you've First off, coaches, if you're tuned in, and you've especially those who contacted me, yeah, it's back up. Coaches use it a lot to try and find uh, games for their upcoming schedules, and I know a number of coaches wanted to use that resource and have used it a lot. It's back, coaches. Second of all, for any of you who have never used D3 boards or haven't heard of D3 boards, it's an older way of doing conversations in Division Three, but it is a terrific way of doing it. You can click on a section like multi-region, go to your top 25. Of course, last time that was updated on the men's side was by Daryl Nestor on December 18th because that's just how it was. Because we went down after that. But lots of things to talk about. We talk about it all there. And to be honest, it's a wealth of information if you don't log on to social media on top of that. So this is this is the best part. And so go to there. On the men's side, there have been 440,000 posts in its history, about 170 different topics. On the women's side, it's about 70,000 posts on 89 different topics. Uh, that has certainly been the biggest other than football. Football certainly has a ton of topics itself. So there you go. D3 Boards is back. Great news. Thank you very much to Pat for all his hard work on getting that up and running. I know we had to outsource it to get the coding all redone. Way above my um, my brain cells, as it were. But admittedly, it started to get really hard at this point in the season to follow everything going on just on social media. Social media is great for the in moment. I think posting up is great, uh, or the boards are great in the overall scheme of things. Um, So you can go back a little ways if you need to figure out what's going on. Great way to do it. Really appreciate uh, Pat uh, getting that back up. And I agreed. I I really agreed on not losing um, the, the oral history that came with it. And so, uh, awesome to see that back up and running. A couple of other news and notes. Uh, great story on D3Hoops.com about Cabrini and uh, its um, final days, as it were, as a men's basketball program. Uh, Riley Zayas threw that one together after visiting this weekend himself. It's a great story about the history. Of course, we talked to uh, um, uh, their head coach on a recent Hoopsville ourselves, uh, so definitely check that out. It is it is a good read, and and uh, Riley, as always, did a bang-up job. Also on D3Hoops.com, you'll find the latest top 25s. On the men's side, Hamden Sydney has taken over the number one slot once again, picking up 21 of the 25 first-place votes. Their rivals, Randolph Macon, are two with the other four first-place votes. John Carroll fell to third. 
Uh, Trinity and Oswego swapped spots. Calvin fell or moved up four spots, sorry, to six. Guilford moved up. Cal Luth stayed about the same. Trine fell a couple spots. Trinity, Texas fell quite a few because they've now lost two games this year, both of them to St. Thomas of Texas. And me as a voter, that's concerning because my thought is, okay, one loss is one thing, two is another. And, of course, the first one was on the road. Keene uh, stayed put. Case Western uh, moved up a spot. So did Widener. NYU fell a couple of spots. Platteville, uh, really nothing major. Co moved up four spots. Williams moved up five to 20. Elmer's moved up a few to 21. Illinois Wesleyan jumped, in, jumped into the top 25. Admittedly, I, I, I had other teams I wanted to vote for before the Titans. Hopkins f- held on to the top 25, falling six spots. I removed them. Uh, not that I don't think they're a top 25 team. There are literally 50 teams I'm considering. I just have to wedge people in. Mount Union is down to 24. Christopher Newport, who fell or, or lost to, was it Mary Washington, I think, this week, uh, fell to 25. Rowan, who lost to Montclair in double overtime, fell out of the top 25. And back to Christopher Newport, they did lose to Salisbury. I had that one wrong. Uh, Rowan's, though, just on the outside by a point of the top 25. St. John's is close as well. Tufts and some others. On the women's side, really not a lot to talk about. Top four remained unchanged. Hope fell from fifth to ninth this week, picking up their second loss of the season, and it was to Alma, 61-50, which certainly would cause some concern from voters. Gustavus Adolphus is now fifth. Warburg stayed at sixth. Grant moved up to seventh. Whitewater moved up to eighth and all that movement. Catholic stayed the same, so did Bowdoin. Illinois Wesleyan and Johns Hopkins have just been flopping spots um, I don't think Johns Hopkins did anything necessarily to lose votes. It might just be voters kind of reshuffling their deck, as it were. Uh, Johns Hopkins and Gettysburg on a, on a march to the championship in the Centennial Conference. Hopkins is the one seed due to a coin flip. Gettysburg, the two seed in that tournament. Oshkosh is the 14, Milliken 15. They just swapped spots. Harden Simmons stayed the same. DeSales and Smith swapped spots. Just shows that there's some voters kind of reshuffling their deck a little bit. Carroll at 19, 20 for Loris, 21 for WashU, Emory at 22, Gettysburg at 23. Webster moved up a spot to 24, and SUNY New Paltz is into the top 25 with Mary Harden Baylor falling out. So, a lot of little bit of movement there. Bates is on the outside looking in. If there's one team I'd have an eye on in the top 25, it certainly would be Bates on the women's side of things. So the basketball conference tourney trick tickers are up and running as well with results in the conference tournaments, along with prognostications on who might be at large candidates, uh, along with obviously who has won the championship. Uh, just looking on the women's side so far, I don't think there have been too many upsets so far. We're obviously earlier on. Today is a huge day for a lot of conference games to get started. Of course, the Centennial Conference on the men's side had a play-in game yesterday, which I believed moved the semi or the quarterfinals to Wednesday. Um, I think I had originally gotten that. I had told guys that I think that was a Tuesday, Wednesday thing. I think I got things wrong. It was a Monday, Wednesday thing. Anyway, uh, Ramapo did beat Stockton in the NJAC first round on the women's side. So that was technically an upset since Stockton was the home team. Uh, it was all chalk in the NAC. Uh, and they've already played their semifinals. So the title game will be Copal School versus Maine Maritime, the two sides who are on the championship side of things. And they've got a week until between games to play that one, which is interesting in the NAC. Travel playing probably a role in that. SAA so far is chalk. 
as well, among with other conferences. Uh, one other small upset. Uh, this is kind of a bigger upset. Gallaudet women's basketball lost to Penn State Abingdon. Um, uh, let's see, on Monday, Gallaudet was pretty good basketball team, and they are out. Uh, that's too bad. That was a pretty good little story going on at Gallaudet. They are out of the tournament and out of the NCAA. UAA's already wrapped things up. Obviously, no tournament there. NYU is your champions on the women's side. In the WIAC, the WIAC, things have certainly gone crazy again. Platteville's season has come to an end with lacrosse beating them on the road by 10. So it'll be lacrosse against Oshkosh, Stout against Whitewater. Uh, quickly on the men's side, just scrolling through things. Um. Immaculata did upset Newman in the AEC first round, so that a little bit of a shakeup, but nothing that's going to impact anything in the grander scheme of things. I'm just scrolling through. This is all in d3hoops.com. You can find it there. The conference trackers will always be on the front page, so you can always find them should you need them. The NAC had a little bit more of topsy-turvy. Morrisville State knocked off in the first round. That's a huge win, and it's also interesting because Morrisville State had been clicking along. I don't think they've gotten that large chance, but uh, SUNY Delhi absolutely smacked them there, and then Cobbleskill barely got past Delhi by two in the semifinals. So Husson, who had to get past Maine Maine Farmington, I'm sorry, in overtime, will be traveling to Cobbleskill um, for the championship game. Husson was the one in the East. Uh, Mary, uh, let's see. Morrisville was the one in the West. Cobbleskill is a three in the West, and I can't remember why it's being played at Cobbleskill. I think there was a decision there, but again, that's coming up. So that's a little bit interesting because Morrisville State and Husson, I thought was going to be the big battle there in the NAC, but um, SUNY, SUNY Delhi certainly ended that hope. So a couple upsets in the uh, in the uh, men's and women's side so far another one and nah, i don't know if this is much of an upset at all but then technically the playing games to play at the salem civic center in the odak championship tournament uh Farum did beat bridgewater bridgewater came on strong in the second half of the season much like Farum came on strong in the first half of the season and bridgewater was having some really good results uh closing in on the end of the season but Farum de- beats him by 10 all at bridgewater so Farum will take on hamden sydney in the um in the ODAC tournament. Interesting enough, Randolph-Macon will play the first game there as the number one seed. Um, Hamden-Sydney, I think it's the two seed. I'll have to double check. Hold on. Yeah, as the two seed will play the third game there. That's all coming up on the 22nd. So a little bit of interest there. Uh, SAA, a little bit of topsy-turvy. Suwannee defeated center and Rhodes defeated Birmingham Southern. So the number two and number four seeds were upset at home. So it'll be Swanee against Barry and Rhodes against Oglethorpe in the semifinals of the SAA. And then if you look at the United East, a little bit of interest there as well, as St. Mary's defeated Lancaster Bible, who was the two seed on the Volt side of it, or the old uh, uh, old UEC side of things. St. Elizabeth upset Brent Anthon as well. So upcoming... Got a few games still to be played, but it'll be um, well, not positive. It's going to be oh, St. Mary's versus Penn State, Harrisburg, and St. Elizabeth versus Wilson. UE, uh, United, uh, uh, let me try that again. UAA, University Athletic Association, not decided who's going to be their um, AQ just yet. It's coming down to the final game of the regular season for those schools. We'll keep an eye on that Thursday. Um, and there you go. So really, great great resource 
Um, that helps me catch up on a weekend like I just had, which I was a little bit out of touch in what was going on in Division Three. Those conference trackers are worth it. Real quick reminder, later today, maybe while we're on air, we will get the latest uh, regional rankings from Division Three. Remember, these regional rankings are pivotal because if you're ranked in this regional ranking, then and anybody else you've played is ranked in this regional ranking, it will be part of the total count for the final regional rankings, week three and week four. So week three and the final regional rankings. If you're ranked, you are part of the results versus regionally ranked opponents. It's kind of like that old once ranked, always ranked that they tried briefly and it realized it was way too broad. They took the first, they basically lopped off the first two weeks from that and just went, okay, if you're in week three, which is the final public rankings before uh, uh, the season ends, and then in the final regional rankings, if you're in either or both of those, you will count as a results versus regionally ranked opponent data point. So that is key. And this is the first time that we get to see the regional rankings based on the data from the previous weeks of actual ranked opponents versus the week one, which was alphabetical. So finally, in this third week, we really get a sense of nailing down what the committees are thinking on the men's and women's side. A lot to catch up on, huh? Right? Um, with that, we'll take a break. We have got great guests ahead of us today. Um, we're going to talk to Nichols men's basketball coach Brock Erickson here in a few minutes. Then we'll talk to Rowan men's basketball coach Eric Brennan, interim head coach. Then we'll switch to women's basketball, talk to Cameron Hill out of Trinity, Texas. And then we'll bring Scott Peterson in from the D3, bas- uh, D3 women's basketball data guru. Uh, We'll talk about teams that are games to watch, teams to watch, et cetera, that are going to have an impact on potential Division III results or opponents who are into the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot ahead of us on this matinee edition. We'll also talk about the upcoming schedule here on Hoopsville in the next six days. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and our friends at Sports Tours International from the NABC studios. We'll start things off with Brock Erickson and the Nichols Bison when we come back. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year. Administrator of the Year. All-America team. Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present. Honor the past. Look to the future. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, 
administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. I keep forgetting to hit the mic button. My apologies. So some of you just saw my lips flapping while some other audio was running. It's a trick we're seeing if you're paying attention. At least I can pick up on it more readily now. Not enough coffee, apparently. Um, as I was mentioning earlier... Um, or what was I mentioning? Um, I, I have no idea at this point. I was starting to say something really fancy and fun there, and I've, I've completely forgotten it. So there you go. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dave McHugh, the forgetful one here on Hoopsville as we're rolling along from the Hoopsville studios. Thanks to the NABC and our friends at D3Hoops.com and Sport Tours International. You can be a friend of ours also by donating information at the top of your screen. The easy way is through Venmo, but there are other ways. Go to our show page, um, which you can get via D3Hoops.com for more information. Lots to talk about in men's and women's basketball. And one team that I feel like we've neglected only because I can't fit, I, I kept running into roadblocks as to when I wanted to bring them on and talk about it is the Bison of Nichols. Unfortunately, we're now talking to them about the same time we were talking to them last year, which was not the plan, but it is what happened. Nichols is all having a tremendous season at 22 and 3, and they are in charge of the Triple C Conference to say the least. Absolute Brock Erickson's squad has won something like 16 straight games. There are three losses all coming before December 12th. He lost on uh, to a really good St. Joseph's Connecticut team who's come storming on as well this season. 77-70 back in mid-November. Then lost back-to-back games against Western New England at home and then on the road against Rhode Island College a week apart. Both two-point losses. Since then, they have taken out their vengeance on anybody who has walked past them. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's Brock Erickson, the head coach of the said Bison. Coach, thanks for joining us on the program as always. Sorry it took us a little while to get to you. That's all right. I appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to talking about our squad. So, Well, listen, I, I'll be honest. I think at one point about mid-December when I had made a concerted effort to say I want to get teams on that we always talk to at the end of seasons more at the beginning. I saw the back-to-back losses, and I think that was where I I hit the pause button. And went, hold on, I want let's let's give the Bison a chance to see what happens after that. And then, admittedly, it got complicated. 
you guys, after that, you had to lick your wounds for 18 days before you took on Southern Maine. That can be a tough stretch for any team. Tell me just about that opening third of the season. Absolutely. You know, we um, we didn't just lose four starters from last year. We lost four all-conference players. And so uh, bringing in a lot of new guys and our only returners that played significant minutes were Nate Duckworth and, and Tavon Jones. So it took a lot of time for our guys to, to kind of just figure out how to play together, how to figure out how to play my style. Um, and our system. So I think we were, it was just a big learning curve um, trying to just gel and get together and, and connect as a team. And, you know, the two losses at the end of the semester, um, they were both buzzer beater losses. So um, they were, they were gut wrenching for, for me as a coach, but it did, I think it really did help our team understand, you know, what it takes to win at this level and what it t- takes to win at a really, a really high level um, throughout the season. And so, you know, when we came back after Christmas break, you know, we, we did a really good job of, of tweaking some things offensively and defensively and, and our guys came together and and we've been on, you know, this incredible run of winning 16 games in a row. Yeah. I mean, losing back to back buzzer beaters, it's gotta be, it can be a little yeah. bit of a, a demoralizing hit, but I have a feeling maybe the defense in those circumstances was, uh, maybe fine tuned a little bit since. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Our defense has um, really carried us here through these last 16 games. And it was very similar last year because I play zone. um, You know, it takes a lot of time for for the new guys to figure out um, the rotations and and to believe in it and to buy into it. And and it was very similar last year. Um, We kind of just flipped the switch and then guys believed in it, understood it a lot more and and now, you know, our zone is is great, and, and we've been doing a really good job with that, and it's it really carries us, and it leads us to our offense. I think that's the, the other part, fascinating part with your team, Brock. The last couple of years, you've had a lot of kind of, uh, I don't want to say revolving door, because that, that, that makes it seem like someone comes and goes for disinterest. It's more like you just have had an open door. The team has taken a lot of transfers and or new in players and then lost them because they've only had a maybe a year or two due to graduation and such. That's tough. How in the world do you get guys to buy in so quickly to be able to keep up the standards that Nichols has created? Yeah, it's obviously it's 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 recruiting the right student athletes and and the kids that we've brought in here Number one, they really care about basketball, but number two, they really care about winning um, and they understand that they've got to be selfless in order to play here. Um, and so my my first two years before this year, you know, we brought it, we were lucky enough to have Ja'Kai Dotton, um, who's a transfer from Towson, who who was great. And then Matt Electus and Quincy Farabee. I mean, those guys all came in here as as transfers and understood you know, that they, they'd been at schools where there wasn't a ton of success as far as winning. Um, and they really wanted their last years uh, to be memorable ones as far as winning. And then and they really understood that the more you win, the more everybody's statistics become better, you know. And, and because we play fast, you know, we've averaged over 80 points per game my, all three years. And we've been in the top 10 or 15 in scoring every year, except this year, where I think we're about 40th in the country right now in scoring. So, um, when they buy into our defense and they understand that everybody's gonna gonna have great stats because we play fast, so I think it's a little bit of all of that. But it's it's really a testament to our kids and the and the guys um, that are in our program that do a great job of just understanding that um, winning is the most important thing. 
Ironic twist. I've, I've been the PA announcer at Towson men's and women's basketball this season for varying reasons. Of course, former Division III uh, student athlete and assistant coach Pat Scary uh, runs the, the Tigers squad there. I know you certainly know him well. They're having a decent season this year, they interestingly yeah, enough. Yeah. Some of the afternoon game our shows we've had is because I've got I had to be at Towson. Um, yeah, a little bit interesting about your squad. You talk about running fast, but you also talk about a zone defense. That's on the face of it, that is an oxymoron, sir. Yes, it is. Uh, but I think it, what it does, it, it just makes us really hard to pl- to prepare for uh, because you have to prepare. You know, our best defense is most teams' second best offense because most teams are preparing for man. Um, and then also they have to um, work on defending our transition. So I think it's it makes it very difficult uh, for us to prepare for. And um, our guys have bought into it and they love it. They love playing the zone and they love – uh, being able to play fast. So I think it's uh, it's been working well for us. So the, Everything stirs and goes through and is all everything through Tavon Jones. He's got 21.7 points a game, eight and a half boards per contest. He's got over 100 assists. I'm going to get to those details in a moment. Shoots 47% from the floor, 35% from beyond the arc. I think the only thing he doesn't do well, I'm sure you would agree, is free throws. Less than sixty-five percent on a team that averages sixty-seven. It's not. It's not an individual thing. It's a whole team thing. I know, uh, in that realm. Um, but you gave me this stat beforehand, and, a, and it's pretty stellar. Believed to be the only one in the nation with averaging more than twenty points a game, more than eight rebounds a game, more than four assists a game, and more than two steals a game. Is there anything he isn't doing other than free throws so far this season? Yeah, I mean he's been he's been unbelievable and. Um, I think the biggest thing with him is is he's had a windy road to get to this point. Um, he suffered um, an injury after junior college, and then there was a coaching change. So he bounced around to a couple of school different schools, but um, he's found a home here. And he and I um, have a have a unique, great relationship. Um, and he's he's just been he's been unbelievable. And his his maturity going from the first year that he was here um, now to this year is really what is I think has set him apart and and it's really um, made his game go to the next level is just his maturity um, and and being a leader and being a coach for the younger guys. Um, and also he's done a great job of incorporating our new players um, and understanding what it takes to be a Nichols basketball player and what it takes, what the Nichols way is and what our culture is. And um, I can't say enough about him as 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 a person, not just a basketball player. He's obviously not the biggest, I mean, the only factor, by my rule, you've got five more guys in double figures. Dominic Mello at 14 points a game. Uh, Michael Daring at 13.7, 10.7 from Deshaun Nettles, who's only started one game uh, so far this season. I, I think that was senior day, was it not? Um, and nine and a half for Jason uh, off car sick. I think I said that right. Um yeah. Yep. I call that 9.4 a double-digit guy only because I know that means he is definitely in double digits probably more times than he's not. And we haven't even talked about others, but that's five more options for Jones to distribute uh, and other guys to find uh, options on a team that's scoring almost 83 points a game. That That's tough for defenses. Yeah, we um, we try to make it – we try to have five guys on the court at all times that can score in double figures. I Last year, I believe we were the only team in the country to have five players average over 15 points per game. Um, and so, you know, we, my assistant calls it sharing the sugar. So we, uh, we share the ball 
And then the one that you didn't mention that's only averaging five points per game is Nate Duckworth, our starting point guard. And um, Nate's, uh, I believe he's fourth in the country right now in assist to turnover ratio um, and was third in the country last year in assist to turnover ratio. So he does a great job of distributing the ball and getting the ball to the guys as well as Tavon. I think um, if Nate has a couple more good assist games, we'll have two players that are averaging over or that, that have over 100 assists on the year, which is great. Um, but yeah, I can't say enough about those other guys. Um, Dominic Mello, basically, um, he redshirted and he sat out for about two years. So it took him a little time to, to get back into the flow. And, um, Michael Daring is one of the best shooters I've ever coached. Um, he's made 67, I think threes on the year. Um, he's a transfer from, from Merrimack. He's been unbelievable. And then, um, Deshaun Nettles is a junior college transfer. And, um, part of the reason why Deshaun hasn't started is because, we're very superstitious here and he hasn't been starting and he's been playing great. And he was two time player of the week when he wasn't starting. So he doesn't want to start, uh, but he does finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, um, yeah, nice. Yeah. And then, uh, and Jason of uh, who was a freshman, he doesn't get a ton of attempts, um, but he's, he's, his field goal percentage is 69%, which would be number one in the country or a top five in the country in field goal percentage. He just doesn't get enough attempts. Uh, but he's been he's a six six long athletic freshman um, who had a two game stretch where he went seventeen for seventeen from the floor, uh, which was a CCC record. Um, so I can't say enough about those guys. They've been unbelievable this season. I mean, that's the thing. You've got depth, Brock, and, and I think we've gotten used to a nickel squad who's always had good players, as you've pointed out, and have always had at least a fair share of good options. It feels to me like this is deeper than you normally are. That probably explains the winning streak. That probably explains why the Triple C, no disrespect, I'm just using it as a term, has been a speed bump so far. Um, How is that going to translate as you move forward? Now the games ratchet up. Obviously, it's conference tournament time and hopefully NCAA tournament time after that. How does this this team translate? Yeah, I think... I think you're 100% correct. We are definitely deeper this year than than we were uh, my first two seasons, and I also th- and we're much bigger this year. Um, last year, our starting five man was six foot three. Now, you know, Jason's six six ish, and Deshaun is is six seven, and and uh, probably about 225 pounds. Um, so, not only are we have different options now, we can score inside and outside a little more than we were last year. Um, we can wrap it into the post, score in the post, and then defensively, because we play zone, we have a you know, we try to keep our bigs at the rim as much as we can to make it much difficult, much more difficult for teams to score um, in the paint than we did last year on our Elite Eight run. So I think that that's, that's been the biggest difference. And certainly, um, you know, because we were first place in our league this year, we actually got a bye. It's the first time the league's had a bye because we have an uneven, uneven number this year. So we don't play tonight. So we only have to play, you know, the semifinals Thursday and then Saturday the finals in order to go go back to the NCAA tournament. So that's that's what we're looking for. And I do think that this team is built to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. That'll be interesting to watch. I think because, and I, mean, I say interesting to watch way too many times, only because I think we've all been waiting for that breakthrough, the, the Keene State breakthrough, let's call it, where you've got a program. Uh, well, Endicott was another one for a few years there. A program we've all felt was really good, had that opportunity, and for whatever reason hadn't been able to break through to where maybe you all thought you'd be, where many of us maybe prognosticated you could possibly be. Is 
obviously it's going to come down to matchups. It's going to come down to the tournament bracket. But it, you kind of hinted at it. This feels like maybe it's the year. Um, yeah, it does. It does. You know, we um, we have a team this year that's that's really selfless. They play really hard. They're a joy to coach every single day. And I really think that this team um, definitely, compared to my other two teams, is the most connected team that I've had. They really care about each other. They really care about winning. Um, they're selfless. They don't care who gets all the credit. They don't care who scores. We've had, I believe we've had five different leading scorers um, throughout our games, throughout the 16-game win streak. So um, we have a lot of different ways to win. And, and also, you know, we have we have times where guys don't have their best game, but other guys are able to pick them up. Um, and I think that's an important piece, trying to make a deep run in the, in the tournament because games are back-to-back and um, you know, right now is is the time where guys have to step up and and really just play together and really just care about that one thing, and that's just to keep advancing. Last year, you and I talked about whether you all were headed to Division Two. Interesting enough, I think it was the off season. I saw uh, a fundraising, or not? I didn't see it necessarily in the off season, but I definitely picked up on it um, just the other day. There was an off season kind of um, fundraising push, saying, hey, we'd like to go to Division Two. I haven't seen any news on whether that's happening now or not. That's still on the radar, though. So it's kind of a two-part question. How soon on the radar? How close is this now? And second, how is that impacting both recruiting and kind of the team in general if it's still an unknown where the future is? Yeah, it's it's still an unknown. Um, I haven't heard a lot about it here in the last couple months. Um, but I haven't heard either way. Yes, we're definitely going. No, we're definitely not going. I know it is a process, and I know we've got to do some things facilities-wise um, for all our athletics uh, before we're able to to uh, meet all the criteria to go Division II. Um, so I don't know the actual time frame, and yet it it does make it makes recruiting difficult because um, we're not sure where we are, where we're going to be, and and where we're going to be, um, what league we're going to be in. So. I just tell tell myself and tell my recruits and my assistants to just recruit to what we have right now, and um, if it changes, then we'll change with it. So, got to put the mic on for everybody else. Brock could hear me. It uh, doesn't take away from what has been an exciting season, nonetheless, and what you guys are building towards. Anything about this team we still don't know? Um. Yeah, I mean, I do think one of the things that I, I keep telling our guys is we still haven't, haven't had a game where all six or seven of our main guys that play major minutes have played great together. You know, every every game, you know, one or two of our guys might, is off or in foul trouble, and we haven't put together that one or that that real real solid game where everyone just plays out of uh, plays up to their ability um, and hope. Hopefully Thursday and Saturday we're able to we're able to do that. But I still think that the best is yet to come, and our our kids are still um, learning and getting better. So we're still improving um, every day, and and I think that that's that's the key, and that's going to be the key to make a great run is for our guys to continuously get better. We can't just stay stagnant, um, and so I think that that's going to be a really important piece to this. I was just double checking who you guys have. It's obviously unknown. Uh, Suffolk and Endicott 
Roger Williams, Wentworth, Curry, Western New England. I know. Um, I think there's another game missing in there. So you're still waiting to find out who you'll play. But, I mean, in the meantime, congratulations on what you put together. Brock, certainly been impressive. Uh, I appreciate the time and finding uh, background, folks. Brock didn't know what when we were doing this segment. Uh, I kept sending conflicting information. Uh, but I appreciate you bearing with me and, and, in, and doing this with me. And in the meantime, congrats again. And, and as always, you give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, I just I'm just really excited about this group. I mean, it's uh, it's a really fun group to coach. They're they're great kids, both on and off the court. We have a 3.03 team GPA this year, um, and uh, it's just it's they're they're great, and I look forward to being able to compete here Thursday and Saturday, and hopefully uh, make another great run like we did last year uh, to the Elite Eight, and hopefully I get to talk to you again. Oh, hey. I won't complain. I'd have fun talking to you. I always love chatting with you. Maybe that's why I held on to the end. I wanted to do it near the end of the season. Brock, thanks thanks for the time, sir. Take care. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Brock Erickson. There we go. Brock Erickson joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Great to chat with him. Listen, behind the scenes, just waiting, and I should have gone to it sooner. That Bison team just looks so good this year. Uh, Really want to see how that uh, matriculates into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Hopefully they can get there and and make some waves. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to another team who's in an interesting spot, the Rowan Profs men's basketball program, trying to get their way into another NCAA tournament with an interim head coach. You're watching Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com and our friends at Sport Tours International from the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete, you're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, be a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. 
No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll on on a Tuesday matinee, I got a little bit of a scruff going today. We'll clean that up for the rest of the week, I promise you. Uh, end of the show, we'll be keeping a tabs if the new regional rankings have been released. We'll also give you an update on other um, schedules, or, or Hoopsville schedules, what we have planned over the next six days here on the show, and much more. So just tune into that, if you don't mind. Uh, well, that's where we'll be. Uh, so, again, stick with us the rest of the show. I want to thank uh, our usual supporters uh, on the streams. Phil and my Aunt BJ. Always likes tuning in. She's glad I mentioned Illinois Wesleyan. She's biased, though. But we'll let that slide for her. If you, got, if you want to, we're live simulcasting on YouTube and on Facebook. Feel free to interact with us there. We'll, we'll respond to you. We're also, you can email us hoopsville at d3sports.com or find us on other social medias i have all the channels open and hopefully you're going to interact with us there uh one of the teams we talked about in the top 16s on last thursday's show were the profs of rowan i had the little joke that we went from Keene state to rowan going from one owl to the other unfortunately rowan had a loss last week in overtime to montclair state which meant they popped out of the top 25 but you know that's part of the njac fun as it were, I don't know. Maybe fun's not the right word, but Rowan is 13-5 and five and sitting still on top of the conference standings as they go into the conference tournament. Montclair and Stockton are tied behind them, and we already, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, Stockton has already lost in the conference tournament, which kind of makes it apropos. This ain't over. Nothing's been punched. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about it and whether his profs can be in the tournament is the interim head coach of the profs. It is Eric Brennan. We'll talk about the interim side of that as well. But Eric, thanks for taking the time and joining us. Congratulations on the season. 19-6 and six with a host of those losses, four of them, all coming before uh, mid-December. You guys have been, just like we had with Nichols, been a really strong team on the other side of it. 
Yeah, Dave, th thanks for having me on. Uh, as I said off the air, what what you do and, and the guys for D3 Hoops does for Division Three basketball, love it, man. You guys do an awesome job. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Um, it's a much easier when we get guests like yourself to come on and talk about your teams. Uh, yeah, you look at the beginning of the season. Uh, let's see. Uh, started the season with win over Maryville, which I think is starting to look stronger and stronger. Win over Worcester. Got Eastern and then Stockton knocked you off as you started conference play. Got an overtime win down at Christopher Newport against Mary Washington. But then the captains knocked you off by ten, and that turned into a three games and four or three losses and four game stretch because TCNJ was unceremonious with you, and then you suffered your fourth loss essentially in seven games when Ramapo knocked you out. I'll be honest; at that point, I think a lot of us would have thought, "Hey, growing pains, new head coach, maybe lost some players from the transfer of Crispin going somewhere else, and people wanting to do different things." No big deal. We understand that happens. What was it like internally? Yeah, I think uh, the players and, and everybody involved in the program still believed in themselves. Um, you know, we did have a really tough schedule throughout the year, but especially early. Um, and the NJAC's always tough. You know, uh, those teams you mentioned, great teams, well coached. But internally, I think uh, we all still believed in each other. You know, we knew what we had. And um, really just a matter of coming in every day, getting better, seeing where we can improve. Um, and, and believing in what we had, you know, so starting a conference off 0-2, you never want to do that. But, um, you know, not getting too high or too low this season, I think, has uh, fared as well. And uh, credit to um, my guys, the players, and, and the staff for um, just sticking together and, and plugging through one one day at a time. One day at a time is a good tactic to take. That said, you do have to look out, I think, a little bit further, right? you got to understand at least the landscape ahead of you. When a team like Stockton loses, not that that changes anything, but it, it it's enough to remind everybody that every game certainly counts, but that things will shake up, that there could be another team on the rise. How do, how do you balance that, not only after taking a losing streak, but now at the end of the season when things have really ratcheted up? Yeah, so we, we do share a bigger picture with them, too, and we're not scared to do that as a staff. I think it's important for the players to know how these wins, how these losses, how they fit into uh, the bigger picture. Um, you know, if you think NCAA tournament, what those wins and losses mean. So we do share that with the team as well. Um, you know, and as, as we're coming down the stretch here, it, it most certainly is uh, focusing one day at a time, one game at a time uh, with our semifinal game coming out tomorrow. Um, you know, really, really focusing in to, to get that win and so on and so forth from, from there on out. What's really interesting about what your season was like was, okay, you beat Mary Washington in overtime, kind of in that weird stretch where you lost three of four, and you lost to Ramapo in overtime at the end of that, that, that run. The next game, you beat New Jersey City in overtime. Two games later, you beat Swarthmore in overtime. Two games later, you beat Montclair State. In overtime, if anybody hasn't caught the drift here, you played four games in six that went to overtime. And interestingly enough, and by the way, it was five total by that point, you came out of that stretch three and one overall, three and two or four and one in overtime games. You, you got to be pretty confident if, if the clock unfortunately runs out, though we'll talk about the last outing. Uh, and overtime's on the on the docket. You had to be pretty confident. I mean, that's a great way to get back on on the right side of everything, right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're not playing for overtime, but uh, we we found ourselves. No one is. <laughs> <laughs> we 
found ourselves in in those positions, but um, you know, I think it all adds into the season and the experience and and the challenges that I hope um, pay us well in the end. You know that that we can lean on um, those experiences and and those overtime battles and um, you know a lot of times those those are good wins. Guys are sticking through it. They're tired. Um, they're fatigued, but um, to stick through an overtime win, I think I think is something special. I think it brings the group closer together. Um, Hopefully we don't have many more, but if, if we do, I can say that we're uh, we're experienced in, in that aspect of the game. Um, but of course, you know, Montclair took us, you know, we went double overtime with them the last time we played them. So uh, there, there is something about about overtimes with Ron this year for some reason. Yeah, seriously. Um, by the way, we should mention Stockton definitely had your number. So you're probably happy they're out of the tournament, right? So they're they're still in it. They play, oh they are. Did I read? Or maybe I'm thinking the women's side. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The men's they play. Uh, yep, they my play bad. Two seed. Yeah, they host uh, Montclair tomorrow. Um, and they're yeah they're you know very good team. They added a mid year transfer uh, who's really good. Uh, but yeah, Stockton Stockton's still up there. Yeah, apologies. Getting my men's and women's uh, tournaments flipped around in my head. There, I knew I should have looked that up one more time before I mentioned it. Um. Quickly before I talk about the team in detail, uh, selections coming out on the 16th, but on the 14th, you guys, or the top 16s came out on the 16th. On the 14th, when rankings came out, Montclair State handed you guys a double overtime loss, 113-110 on the road. Of course, Montclair State, a team that's sitting tied with Stockton, now a game behind you all when the when the when everything finished. Was that just... Hey, what? Yeah, I mean, is that just a matchup thing? Is that dumb luck thing? How how do we all read into that? Yeah, I mean, you know, Montclair's, you know, they're they're a very good team. They they play a specific way. I think Justin Potts does a does a great job with the group he has there. Um, you know, they get up and down. So so I think it potentially is a, is a style thing. Um, you know, we we play, I would say, pretty similar. Um, but you know, it's always tough to to play up there. Very good team, so we weren't able to to squeeze that one out. But you know, hoping that we can uh, you know get a get a win tomorrow and and, and do well in this conference tournament and hopefully uh, put ourselves back in that conversation of of top sixteen. Let's talk a little bit about this team in detail, shall we? Because um, you've got some pretty good teams to say or players to say the least. We should start yeah. with the obvious one: is Jair Noel. Just named the NJAC Player of the Year. When you look at it statistically for a team that averages 90 and a half points a game, which is near the top in Division Three, he's averaging 21.7 of them. Shoots 47% from the floor, 43% from beyond the arc, 80% from the free throw line. Oh, by the way, he's a smidge under a double-double at 9.5 rebounds a contest. One of your top assists uh, guys as well. Um, certainly gets his fair share of steals, and he's your block leader, uh, like we did with Nichols. Is there anything he can't do? He's Jazir's a special player, um, definitely a special player, and, and he's he's a kid that you know he he works at what he wants to be great at. Uh, he works on his game all the time, um, and he's he's a selfless guy too. Um, he could really care less about the accolades and, and things like that. He really wants to win. Um, and is happy when when his teammates do well too. But, but um, yeah, as far as what he can't do, I mean, he uh, he covers he covers the board on a lot of things, and you know, definitely definitely lucky to have him, and uh, even a better person. So, 
What I think is the most interesting thing about your team is I'm used to multiple players scoring in double figures, and, and you usually kind of see a nice curve to the rest of the team. You have multiple players in double figures, but there's no curve. Uh, Marcellus Ross, 19 points a game. 19 points a game for Khalif Mears as well. And then it's a drop-off, and there's no disrespect to Danny Fleming, but he's at eight points a game. And Booty Butler, and by the way, Flanning's only six games, so we got to dismiss him a little bit anyway. Booty Butler is at 6.9, along with Josh Wright at 6.9. It's a three-headed monster at the top in Noel, Ross, and Mears. And that is... I mean, that's interesting defensively, but that is that interesting offensively? Like, how do you guys balance that? So I think, you know, e- even those guys that you see average less points, we've won a game this year with just zero only getting six points, you know, or, or Khalif being out. So those three are extremely talented scorers. Uh, Marcel is one of the best three-point shooters in the nation. Khalif is just explosive, quick, can get downhill. And Jazeera, with which you mentioned earlier, but the guys behind them are just as capable of scoring. I think what this team has bought into is really uh, everyone understanding how they can maximize and add value to the team. So, you know, Booty Butler, he, you know, gives us what we need on any given night. Montclair, um, I think he missed one shot at 15 points. He's, he's always going to give us a solid four assists and close to no, no turnovers. Um, Chris McCarron has stepped up in a big way, hitting big-time shots, big-time threes. Uh, Josh Wright is like a microwave when it comes to scoring. So when these, you know, I, I feel like when these guys need to step up, they can and they do. Um, but, of course, you know, I think with the three that we have at the top, they are very uh, elite scorers that um, it kind of works out that way. Uh, but these other players complement them well. And, and Danny's, um, you know, he's, he's just getting back around to – getting into the swing of things too, but, uh, you know, expect big things from him as well. There we go. Uh, just showed a highlight reel. A lot of it showed Khalif Mears getting those steals and running to the other direction for a, a showcase slam. Um, we should point out Khalif Mears honored as being a co-defender uh, of the, of the year in the conference as well. And that goes to the point. I think it was Khalif, right? Do I have that right? Yep. Yep, I have that right. Um, goes to the point that it's not just an offensive game for you all. You average a ton of steals. He averages three and a half per game. I'm doing the quick math here. Uh, you guys, 10.5 per contest. We talked all about the offense there, but defensively, you guys are really tough too. Yeah, I think the defense is deceiving because we give up a lot of points, uh, but we also score a lot. So I think the pace and the tempo weigh in. To that, I would like us to see uh, to see us to I would like us to be better defensively. Um, the guys know that, and, and I think that's definitely a focus for us late here. Um, but yeah, you know, the, I think defensively, Khalif, he's he's just a menace over the court. He's it seems like he never gets tired. Um, he's he's leading the nation in steals, and to think that he's created eighty five more offensive possessions just on steals alone um, is pretty outstanding. But um, yeah, the, the defensively, you know, we're we're never going to be a team that holds somebody to 60, 65 points necessarily because there's going to be that many more possessions in a game. But um, we that's still a part of the game that you need to win. Um, and, and I think our guys understand that. And I don't want our offense, you know, efficiency to, to lead to complacency on the other end. Um, so that's something we're, we're actively working on as well. 
So, I mean, the, the risk, as you say, of allowing a lot of points, but the fate, you know, the pace and all that, we are kind of talking to Nichols about the same kind of thing is you run into a game like Montclair State. So now the tournament's ahead of you. And obviously there's a lot on the line in terms of mm-hmm. if an automatic bid, obviously an automatic bid is there, but if it's not there, whether you get in at large, where you might have to play, the top 16's revealed that you're at least in the conversation ahead of that Montclair State loss of being or having a chance to host. There's a lot of other factors here. How do you all approach this? I know it's a game by game scenario, but how much do you are you talking with the team about what's at stake and understanding the scenarios and why X Y Z? Yeah, our message to the team was remove remove the chance. Like don't don't leave it up to chance. You know, you have an opportunity. You put yourself in a good enough position to host the playoffs. Um, now now maximize this opportunity and, and go get the automatic bid. Um, that has to be on all of our minds and and it's going to be a tough one, right? Like, um, and I think the good thing about the NJAC, you face a lot of teams that I believe prepare you for the NCAA tournament. There's, you know, Montclair gets up and down. They play super fast. You got TCNJ with some five out motion, a lot of sets, a lot of back doors, Stockton with a lot of good players and the way they play and, and Ramapo with more traditional big. So you, you face all these different styles. And it's a it's an adjustment every week. But, yeah, for us at this point, um, it's really, you know, like every other team in the playoffs, we're we're chasing that that automatic bid. It's obviously the easiest way to get into the tournament, the easiest yeah. way to handle it all and, and move on. Listen, we buried the kind of the lead here. You're in your interim status after Crispin went and joined the Penn State uh, staff, which I was both understanding of and um disappointed in i I thought the man understood this is where you stay um but you got the interim status that has resulted in you and your staff being uh the coaching staff of the year in the conference for what you all were also able to accomplish what's it like taking over this program for a team that crispin had certainly brought to the to the party as it were and then despite you know the little bit of the of the of the speed bump, as it were, in December, being able to get this program to the top of the end jack at the end. Yeah, it's been great. And, you know, uh, extremely grateful to Rowan and, and Dr. John Giannini for uh, trusting me as, as the interim head coach um, and, and leading this team. And then as well to uh, my staff, you know, so I've been coaching, you know, most of the staff has been here uh, through the Crispin era as well. And, and uh, I've added uh, my brother, John, and, you know, the value that they add and, and, you know, the way they care about our guys and, and all that they pour into them um, is extremely valuable. And, um, you know, that leads to the sex, success of us all. So uh, it's, it's been a fun ride and uh, have learned from those early losses. And, you know, we're hoping again, like to garner those, those experiences, those losses and, and even those wins, learn from them and, and use them in our toolbox as, uh, you know, as we move forward. Like Joe, you aren't a D3 guy, though. You played at Kutztown, or at least that's where you, you graduated from. I think prior to that, uh, you were somewhere else. Um, Lockhaven. Thank you, Lockhaven. I couldn't find it quick enough. I had read it and then lost it. Um, so you 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 guys, you kind of like Joe, came in at some point to Division Three from a very different perspective. What's what's Division Three meant to, from your perspective now that you've become a head coach, even on the interim basis? Yeah, e- even when I was an assistant, and, and my whole approach to coaching um, is, is how can I be of help to these student athletes? 
Um, and a lot of, especially early on with this job, it's, it's not even the basketball stuff. It's, you know, showing the new guys where the buildings are, what a bursar is, right? And, and who the registrar is and, and where you go for that. So really setting them up for uh, success um, outside of the court is extremely important at this level. Uh, and I think at any level. But um, besides that, just, you know, every student athlete's level of support and what they might need looks different. So um, I think for me as a coach, to understand that um, and then to also be there for them. Um, that's how my coaches always were um, at Kutztown, at Lockhaven, even even growing up and playing in the Chester Bitty League. These were guys that um, I always looked up to as role models. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of value in that. And um, I hope and I think I know that our guys feel that con- connection. And, um, you know, we tell a kid every time we recruit them, you know, you're getting five new uncles, you know, or four new uncles. And, uh, you know, really want to treat them like family here in, in whatever way that means for them while they're here. Um, we should point out, too, that, yes, you had five years as an assistant prior to going on. You also were an assistant under Herb McGee. Yep. Not shabby. Not shabby <laughs> at all. Uh, certainly yeah. got plenty of experience there. Again, focus tips. You have a week to lick your wounds before you end up taking on TCNJ in the conference tournament. What do you expect? So uh, we have tomorrow. So, you know, we, we did have we did have a week to get some guys healthy, um, but also to, to stay in shape. But uh, I expect a tough game tomorrow. You know, we're going to prepare here soon for, you know, we'll have practice and, and everybody's looking forward to it. So, yeah, expecting a, a tough battle. It's, it's never an easy one uh, with any NJAC game. You know, I think we've seen that throughout the season. So uh, looking forward to the opportunity. And I think our guys are uh, looking forward to the same. Well, I appreciate your time, Eric. Uh, and as I said, with Brock uh, dealing with all my insanity behind the scenes via emails, I appreciate it very much. Um, good luck the rest of the way. Looking forward to seeing what, what you all can do and what this end check will ref- will uh, turn into. Uh, it certainly yeah. has finished excitingly. Um, and in the meantime, congratulations on at least the interim job. We'll look forward to seeing if that tag gets removed and where things move forward. As always, I would give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Thanks for having me, Dave. Um, there's a lot of really good Division three programs and Division three players out there in the basketball world, and uh, it's great to be a part of. Um, and, and I love that you know you guys highlight this throughout the year. So, Well, thank you. It's a lot easier when you're able to come on, as we say all the time. The guests make this a lot easier, so thank you for your time. Take care. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you. Eric Brennan joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate his time in doing so. Uh, Listen, props look like they could be a really dangerous team. That double overtime loss admittedly gave me pause, but I also understand it's the NJAC. And like with a lot of conferences, I think somebody mentioned this to me about um, the SUNYAC, for example, last week in the second half of the season, not putting teams away as much as they usually do. Yeah, conference mates know you, right? We preach that in the CCIW where nobody's gone undefeated. We preach that in the WIAC, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, and others. So I don't think I'm stunned that a, that the second-best team, arguably, in the NJAC knocked off the top-best team and it took double overtime. Um, how, what that means in the long run, I don't know. We'll see. They've got TCNJ ahead of them in the conference tournament. Obviously, a lot to be answered in that tournament. As we move forward, they'll start that game on Wednesday. All right, we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll head down to Texas 
San Antonio to be specific. Trinity women's basketball has had an interesting year up and down. Loss of players and trying to find themselves, but they look like they're in good position in the SCAC tournament as it comes up. Cameron Hill joins us to talk about it and still ahead. Scott Peterson will join us to talk about games to watch and teams to watch in the next few days in women's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Hopers and by D3Hoops.com and our friends at Sport Tours International from the NABC studios. More after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are well. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet or message us. Social media is, for the most part, look for at D3Hoopsville and use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Uh, admittedly, um, we are on threads. We just don't use it as much as we possibly can because 
falls a little short of what we had for expectations. But you can find us on Twitter, especially. I know a lot of you out there have done so, and we appreciate interacting with you there. Of course, we're live simulcasting on YouTube. That's another one where it's at D3 Hoops. So um, Daryl Duncan's enjoying his lunch with us. We appreciate him taking the time to do that. Live simulcasting on Facebook as well, though not as many viewers. It never is, but we know people who like to jump on there. So we'll look forward to catching up with you there. Just a reminder, Scott Peterson coming up in a bit to talk about teams he thinks are worth watching or games worth watching on the women's side of things in terms of bid thieves or bubble pops or teams that might better position themselves for NCAA tournament status we'll see we'll do that on the men's side with a new guest on the men's side but we'll keep that to ourselves for right now but we will be doing that on the men's side and of course we'll talk at the end of the show about everything we got coming up this weekend as well switching gears talking women's basketball trinity tigers have had an interesting season went 20 and 5 to this point though they are on a tear having won two four six eight ten straight all-in-conference play. Their last loss coming back on January 5th to Colorado College. It was their fourth loss in six games after a three-game slide. We'll talk about that we certainly saw the end of ourselves. Like I said, it's been an interesting up-and-down year, but the Tigers, once again, find themselves on top of the SCAC standings, two games ahead of Texas Lutheran, three ahead of Colorado College as we head into the SCAC tournament. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the Tigers of Trinity, Cameron Hill, who, yes, we've discussed this many times, is flawed in that he's a Giants fan of San Francisco. But that's okay. New coaching staff for them. We'll see where that all leads where my MLB career kind of starts to meld a little bit. Cam, good to see you, bud. Always a pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having us on today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm sorry we waited this long, though admittedly, I don't think we normally talk to you this late in the season, so this is a good perspective to get from you. But like I said in the beginning, and what we discussed at the D3Hoops.com Classic, this is a team that is that has not had a smooth road. You've lost players for various reasons. Injuries, of course, part of that. And you've all had to kind of find yourselves to some degree. Maybe players stepping up into roles they weren't either anticipating, expecting, or knew they could step into, Cam. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the the best example I can give you for this year is kind of like when you're on the highway and you hydroplane for a little bit. You're not sure when your wheels are going to finally catch that ground again. You know, but once they do, you typically can get control of the car. And I think that's really what we've done this year. Um we had an interesting beginning to the season. I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Um, but when we when we got back from Colorado College, as you mentioned, uh, we we really truly made wholesale changes and and really tried to recalibrate the entire direction of the season. And to the players' credit, which I'm I'm not just saying this; I mean it with all my heart. Like they truly deserve all the credit in all of this. Um, they have bought into and embraced everything we've tried to do to ch- change the trajectory of our season and. You know, like like always, the results kind of speak for themselves, but they've done an incredible job of just grabbing on to what we're trying to do and, and making the adjustments that we felt were very necessary for this team to max out its potential. Yeah, you guys have, again, lost a player not due to injury, lost a player due to injury. I think one that you were hoping to get back and it just hasn't matriculated that way. And so different players have had to step up, as you said. And and yes, the Colorado College game maybe stands up for all of you. I'd, I'd argue, um, I think we were seeing a, a bit of that coming to whatever moment um, in Vegas. I think you all were kind of hitting that point of going, listen, we may not see 
uh, Natalie Anderson back this season. We've already lost another player. We're on a two-game slide entering this event. We've just lost a third game. I think at one point you even kind of said to me, oh, we might come out of here 0-2, and I'm fine with that. And I don't mean fine with that in the sense that you were content with that. You just understood this is what this team had to go through. Yeah, we've actually lost three players. Um, we've had three players decide to to go a different direction. And quite frankly, I've seen all three of them since they quit the team, and they're happy which is really what we should be concerned with. I mean, and, and I think the team has also responded really well to having a different energy around them. So it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. But you know how it is, man, getting through it, you know, sometimes can be really tough. And I, it was awesome being in Vegas. And again, like I, I wouldn't trade that experience either. The Framingham State game was kind of a come to Jesus for us. And I have a ton of respect for what they had accomplished up to that point in the season. And they've continued to do really well. You know, but we really needed to kind of plant our feet and decide, you know, what are we about? Um, and, and that that helped me a ton in terms of what I felt like I needed to bring to them moving forward. And, you know, it, it's just been a, it's been really cool to expand the perimeter of what Trinity basketball has been over the last several years, because I think people take for granted that, that it's just easy. And, you know, when you have great resources and you have a great school backing you and you have really nice facilities that this stuff just kind of like sells itself. And that's just not the case, man. There's there's challenges everywhere. There's things that you have to overcome everywhere. Every job has its unique things. And, you know, we've we've been able to and I would say fortunate to be able to learn from some really difficult stretches you know, but it, but it makes finding your way that much more rewarding, not just for the coaches, but I think for the players too. And I think that mentality will, will show out in the next couple of weekends. You, you, I agree with you that obviously there's bigger goals than basketball success, individual success, championships, all that. That's why we all love division three, right? It's about the true student athlete and what they, their experience as a student is going to be because there's things moving forward in life that are more important that said there's got to be a little bit of a gut check yourself Cameron because I don't think I can't think of any time you've lost any players who felt this wasn't right or this program wasn't right or the whatever I'm I'm making things up here I don't know any details does that give you a kind of a a gut check yourself about the program that you all have or do you chalk it up and this is no disrespect that okay this is our program it wasn't the right fit that's okay yeah no it's hard because everyone knows that recruiting is the lifeblood of your program and and when you become successful recruiting actually becomes more important if you want to be able to sustain that level of performance and when you have freshmen that come in that are really good and you have seniors that aren't playing as much as them that's difficult. And I understand that, you know, but that doesn't change our responsibility to go out and recruit the best players possible to keep our program where I believe it belongs. And, you know, those are the things sometimes that contribute to that, that decision. Like, all right, what am I really doing? I'm sitting on the bench and these freshmen are playing ahead of me. And, you know, I, I see the writing on the wall, like, is this investment worth my time? And, I don't ever judge players when they come to these decisions, regardless if it's their freshman year or their senior year or their graduate year. Like once you know that it's time to move on, I have a ton of respect for people that actually make that move because they're really doing a favor to everyone else in that locker room. And whether they realize it or not, it's a selfless play. And and they're making a sacrifice to give basketball up 
so that the players in that locker room can have a chance to move forward and, and have a chance to do what we all know we're capable of. So, you know, we recruit good players every single year. They change the trajectory of the team. They keep pressure on the upperclassmen. I think that's healthy. I think that's very important. And I can tell you right now, I'm never going to change. We're always going to go get good players in, in, in our recruiting classes, and we're going to pay attention to the portal, and we're going to do everything humanly possible to keep our program relevant in the national spotlight. So the players that stay for four years here have to understand that, and they have to shoulder that responsibility. And the ones that are still here have, and, and not only do that, but they thrive in that environment. One of the uh, freshmen that certainly came to our own who who – maybe pushed some seniors to the side was uh jamie rude um who then had a read, read. thank you i knew i was saying yeah. that wrong the vegas yeah. has already escaped my mind though oh, everybody does it everybody gets that what's that darn wrong. you man get rid of the you jamie come on um but already had a record-breaking night in your last game out uh, 9 of 11, shooting 8 for 10 from beyond the arc for 27 points, breaking Trinity's all-time record for threes in a game held since 2008. Which, by the way, in my book, seems kind of stunning because I've always known your your unit to be a pretty good outside shooting team, that the record stood that long, which just shows you you usually have a lot of weapons who are shooting from outside, and not everybody's going to rack them up. But Jamie and, and some of these other players, Napoli, who, who is a senior, has certainly been instrumental for this team. You've got a lot, a, not, a lot of nice little pieces for a team that maybe is different than we're all used to. Yeah, Josie's a junior, and um, and Jamie being a freshman. Yeah, don't don't trust the SIDs at Trinity. They don't always get the uh, the year. No, I read it wrong. Player. That's on me. Yeah, don't. No, the uh, but you know it's funny because because Maggie Robbins is like literally that kid has real estate in my heart and will for the rest of my life. But like I have to look at her and tell her, listen, bro, every time you pass it to one of these players, you're making the right choice and the wrong choice at the same time, and you have to live with that because if they make it, you made the right choice. If they don't, you should have thrown to the other one and then they have to make the same decision when they move the ball so we're consistently living in this space where we can't really know if we're doing it right but the good news is we have a lot of people that can stress the defense and a lot of people that can make shots and over the course of this last 10 games I think that camaraderie and that awareness of man we're dangerous as a unit like certainly we can think about ourselves as individuals and how good we are at basketball but man when we blend that talent it really does change things and it makes it harder for our opponents, which, you know, should be the goal every time you go out there and play. Again, had all these lumps when we saw you in Vegas, ended a three-game losing streak, as we point out, but still took a loss to Colorado College on the other end of it. But you've been unbeaten since. Is this a team that maybe no one is fully appreciating or understanding? There's there's no top 25 right now. Regional rankings, you weren't in the top 16 conversation last week. Um, are, are you guys a sleeping giant? I mean, I don't know what we are, man. I just know where we are. And right now we're in a really good place. I think, you know, it's been it's been a little refreshing, to be honest with you, to kind of to kind of like just completely let all of that regional ranking and national ranking stuff go this year and realize like the first thing I said when we got back was there's only one way to get to the postseason. And that's great. You know, I mean, it really is great. Like you, you should you should have to fight for this and you should have to really want it and you should have to make the necessary sacrifices to put yourself in a position to accomplish that. And, you know, all credit to everyone. And we've been one of those teams for a lot of years where you build in that insurance by having a great regional ranking and a good regular season record. But there's always teams that that sneak in there that are peaking at the right time. And 
I think a lot of times teams that have had to endure some challenges become a little bit more dangerous down the stretch because they've already experienced disappointment and that no longer creeps into their mentality when they go out there to compete. It's literally about the 40 minutes in front of them and putting that team that's standing in front of you to the test and, and seeing if they're up for the challenge. Going through some of the NCAA stats there real quick. Your team is 15th in Division Three in free throw percentage. You are ninth in offensive scoring at 80 points per game. You are 8th in three-point per, three percentage per game. And there's, um, there's other stats that we're not even mentioning. Turnover margin is 16th in the nation. Turnovers forced is 19th. Those are stats that jump out at me that tells me, A, we've got an offense that's going to be really hard to stop, and B, we're going to make it hell on you on defense as well. That's a different team than I saw in Vegas, who I thought was good in Vegas, but I don't think you were putting all those pieces together to the testament that this second half's been different. Yeah, we just we just had the wrong ingredients at that point. You know, We just needed to really kind of calibrate what we put on the counter and since we've been able to kind of identify, you know, who's really with us, what are we trying to accomplish, what direction do we want to go, you know, that it, as a coach, man, I'm telling you that makes all the difference when when you feel like you're flying blind a little bit and you're kind of just grabbing at straws to try your hardest to help them, but you don't quite know what you have. I think since we've really identified what we have, we've been able to put this together the right way. And again, I'm going to go back to it the players deserve all the credit because they're the ones going out there and executing these things and and taking these lessons and, and the application has been in my opinion it's been elite you know it's it's really been elite to watch them go out there and, and put all this experience to work what i think is interesting is you talk about all these changes and and the you know coming to whatever moment that this team had to come through and understanding who's in and who's out and what do you are you going to you know be part of this new f- um set up that is tough to do even in the off season it's easier to do in the off season because in the in season no nobody would would behoove a coach of being stubborn trying to stick with what works you're willing to blow it up and start over essentially midway through the season knowing you get that wrong you are in deep trouble in terms of what your program is normally used to was that a, a hard thing to wrestle with? Not even a little bit, man. I mean, every single year we we have a process we go through. What do we lose and what do we need? And how do we as coaches philosophically adjust our, our playing style to the personnel? I think it's especially nowadays, it's exceedingly difficult to force players into a box that you're comfortable with. The coach needs to be the one that makes the adjustment to the personnel. And when you're smart, and you really lean into that, you can inspire kids to go so much farther than maybe even they knew they could go because they feel the confidence that you have in them and the confidence you have in the process. And they recognize how much you're leaving behind because you could look at our stats from last year and the way we pressed and we played full court and we had a different offensive philosophy. I mean, for people that don't know what they're looking at, it may look the same, but it's significantly different this year. And I'm going to tell you something, Dave, it's so much fun to have the opportunity to to expand and to learn and to get outside your comfort zone and to push yourself into new places and to have players that are willing to go down that path with you is even better. Um, But, you know, you see it all the time. Coaches want to hammer their kids into a mold that sometimes they don't fit in and they really do cost themselves opportunities to do great things because they never let those kids become what they really can be. And I think it hurts them 
But yeah, man, I appreciate you mentioning that. And I do appreciate the acknowledgement because it's, it's a big risk, but it was completely worth it in my opinion. There are coaches I can name a plenty who would never have pulled that trigger during the season. They would have pulled it in the offseason, maybe. There are coaches I know who never pulled it in the offseason and went down a rabbit hole that didn't work. And we certainly know good programs that have faltered as a result of that. So I I, I tip my hat because I, I can't imagine that's a tough decision. But it helps me segue. Because damn it, sir, you have a hell of a family to be able to bounce these ideas off of. I don't think we've ever touched on it. And admittedly, I knew a little. I hadn't dove down this rabbit hole until you and Gordon were chatting off air at the D3 Hoops Classic. I was close enough to pick up on some key hit words and came in and went, wait, what? Yeah. I had forgotten that your fa- father, Bob Hill, yeah. had been the legendary NBA coach, especially at the at the Spurs. By the way, FYI, everybody, he predated Popovich. You can all thank Bob Hill for letting Popovich have his job, right? I think that's the story we're going to go for. He had a cup of hot coffee with New York. He had three seasons with Indiana, three seasons with San Diego, two seasons at Seattle. He was also at Fordham, some other places. By the way, uh, you're the oldest of three. Your second, uh, your middle brother, Chris, is head coach at Jesuit College Prep in Dallas. Casey's now an assistant coach at the Pelicans for New Orleans. This all, There's a lot of questions here, but the first part is, you have a heck of a resource to fall back on if you want to, to say, hey, is this a good idea? Am I losing my mind? Help me through if if you need it, right? Yeah, the, the conversations we have at the dinner table are pretty special. and That's a different know, Thanksgiving, sir. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. it's uh, But the coolest thing, you know, I mean, high school, NBA, Division three women's hoops, like we have, they're, they're really three different platforms and they don't, they don't really cross paths as often as you would think there's a lot of differences between what chris does and what casey does and what we do but it's just fun to to talk to people who have a frame of reference to the coaching side of it and the management side of it and you know loving the game like that it's uh it's uh you know like we were we were born in this jungle like this is not new to us this is our indigenous background so you know basketball has been a huge part of our family my entire life and i i feel significantly blessed to have both my brothers in the business and my father as a resource as well so some pretty cool experiences we've had well and i don't know how much you want to dive into this you wouldn't have been here this wasn't the trajectory this wasn't the plan and this isn't this is not a a, a a slight or a disrespect this ended up being the backup plan that has worked out pretty damn well you almost followed your brother casey and became an nba guy well i mean it, it was looking that way um right before the Sonics sold to oklahoma city there were some some definite possibilities that we could have ended up you know in the league and doing a completely different thing and you know, quite frankly, man, and I know it's easy to be a revisionist, but I'm so grateful that it turned out the way that it did because, you know, this this situation that we're in here is so much more fulfilling and so much more well-rounded in terms of the the real priorities that I have in my life and the the latitude it affords me to be really present in those things, which you don't get at the other levels. So, you know, yeah, it, it was wild and it was it was really cool to be a part of it and to have those experiences. And I feel like I'm still connected to it because I can call Casey anytime I want and we can talk about the NBA. Most of the time it's me criticizing him and him, you know, defending him. But, you know, and then and then Chris is 
Chris has lost in the playoffs in the state championships in the state of Texas to, I mean, he lost to Marcus Smart. He lost to Tyrese Maxey. He lost to Alex Caruso. Like that kid coaches against pros as often as Casey does. And so his, his experiences have been remarkable. And uh, yeah, and then you got my dad who's kind of just floating above the three of us as as that big umbrella where whenever any of us need, you know, anything, he's always there to help. So it, it's a very cool dynamic. We. So what I always joked about you being dressed to the nines, and by the way, we had a couple of great-looking coaches at the D3Hoops.com Classic this this past season. You were not the only one. In fact, I think there was a dressing contest at one point on the South Point Arena floor. Um, when I understood the full concept of your entire family, I went, oh, well, this makes all the sense in the world then. This is this is just who the Hill family is. Right. You know, that, that you heard about it immediately if you came downstairs and your belt didn't match your shoes in my house. Like, it, <laughs> of all the that my father imparted on me as a young man, the uh, the ability to coordinate an outfit was at the top of the list. So, you know, I, I don't take that nearly as seriously as most people do. I just appreciate a nice star shirt with a good tie and a pair of slacks. But it it is a it is a shame that that you know, the respect that the coaches can pay to their teams with a, a real outfit it has kind of gone to the wayside with all of this casual stuff nowadays. But, I mean, I understand it. It is what it is. I'm grateful that I still have the freedom to make the choices that I make and I can still put a tie on to coach my team. And, you know, but I always mess with Casey about that as well. Like, did you get the text on what outfit you're wearing tonight yet, buddy? You know, don't think for yourself at all, ever. You know, put, put that half zip on. <laughs> I was impressed you pulled Jimmy Smith into this. I didn't think Jimmy was a, a dressed to the to the nines kind of guy, but Jimmy stepped out on the floor at in Vegas and I was like, oh boy, we've got two coaches who want to outdo each other on the floor here for Trinity. Um, no, no, I, I do not influence Jimmy Smith at all. He's his own man and, and he's been dressing that way for a long time. I, I have a lot of respect for that too because you know, there's a lot of nights where his staff may go with their little backup dancer outfits and, and Jimmy's always in the tie. And I think that's pretty special. So hold on backup dancer outfits. I am writing that down. That is brilliant. Um, oh, I love it. I am not forgetting that one. Um, yeah. that was worth the price of gold right there. Um, sir, thank you so much. I, I talk more and more about your dad and your family history and, and the near miss on the NBA for another half hour if I could, but A, that's just more for me than I think for everybody else. But I appreciate the time you gave us nonetheless and get an insight on the Tigers. Again, maybe at a time of the year we don't normally talk to you. We get so distracted on talking to you because you came out of the gates uh, so well. Uh, I think it's fun to get your perspective here in late February. I know there's a lot on the line. Obviously, the SCAC tournament is is your priority. Um, your final thoughts on that before you get your ultimate final thought. Your final thoughts on what you guys have ahead of you. You know, it's it's just awesome. I, I think, you know, going to the SCAC tournament is fun every single year. It's it's really nice when you can put yourself in a position to have the bye because you get to watch good basketball on night one and kind of get a live scout on who your opponent's going to be and maybe tweak what you think you need to do a little bit with with the most recent example of what they're doing. Uh, but But overall, man, the message is always the same for us. It's one game at a time. We never look ahead stay focused on what we've done to get us here. And, and, you know, if we, if we do our jobs, put ourselves in a position to continue on, you know, but nobody has to tell us that this can end in the blink of an eye if you don't show up ready to play. And I think again, like the experiences we've had this year, make this even more special for us. And, and I think the girls have a, a really great disposition going into the weekend. 
Well, again, thank you for your time. Appreciate the insight. Always love chatting with you. Um, we'll work on our suit game. We used to be a big suit and tie thing, and then weight happened. Um, <laughs> and I fell out of feeling comfortable in those things. But uh, we broke out a little bit of it last Thursday. We'll yeah. work on it, I promise. Uh, in the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Same as always. And this is the first year I've had the experience of being a part of one of you guys' events. And, and it was first class. And I think you do a great job. The platform for Division Three is outstanding that you guys work really hard to provide. And I just appreciate when you when you have time for us to come and share some some thoughts with you, man. So best of luck to you. Enjoy the the tournament and all the work you have ahead with all the choices you have to make. And I'm sure you guys do a great job. Now we'll just got to get through it awake. That's the key. Uh, take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of this week. Hopefully we're talking about you come Monday and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Cameron Hill joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate his time. His his family history is tremendous, folks, if you really want to dive in. I learned a lot in Vegas, and I thought I had known a lot. We'll take a break. When we come back, Scott Peterson. Peterson geez, Scott Peterson will join us with some games and teams you should be watching this week in women's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Tuesday edition, quick schedule update. We'll do it again at the end. Thursday show will be at 1 o'clock Eastern as well. Sunday, we are looking to start our Selection Sunday special at 5 p.m. Eastern. We'll have a number of guests that are pre-recorded, including conversation with both committee chairs during that broadcast. But, of course, our men's and women's selection panels will be available to try and prognosticate who we think are into the NCAA tournament as at-large bids. The NCAA or the D3 Hoops guys behind the scenes will then try and bracket those selections out, and we'll see you at all. Then on Monday, NCAA tournament shows 1 o'clock for men, 2.30 for women, Eastern time for both. And then at 7 o'clock that night, we'll have bracket breakdowns, including another chat with the committee chairs. Who's going to make the women's tournament? Well, we'll do women today and men on Thursday, but teams to watch, games to watch, things that might be um, bid thieves, as it were, bubble poppers, or scenarios that might just play out rather interestingly. To talk all about it, we go to our guru on the stats side. It is Scott Peterson, who will be one of our members of the uh, selection panel come Sunday. He joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Sir, as always, I appreciate you doing so um there's a lot to dive into already some movement we should point out real quick the men's uh selections have been or the men's rankings are out we'll dive into them in a minute we may get the women's rankings while you and i are talking but uh just, they're, they're live right now there we go see it, it's just a matter of, i saw you look over i went oh i better go look at, at our slack combo right um yep there it was um We'll take a look at those in a moment. I know you'll be diving in. But overall, this is always our fun week. But you dove down the rabbit hole. You found some fascinating games ahead. There's going to be a lot of games that are going to determine a number of of decisions, aren't there? Yeah. And the first place we're going to go is play-in games. So there's no play-in games in D3 the way that there is for a couple of those 16 seeds in Division I. Um, But I've targeted two games that I think are play-in games where the winner will get in with a pool C bid and the loser will not get in. Um, the first one is actually a regular season game um, and it's in the UAA. So Wash U playing Chicago on the 24th. I do not have it in front of me where, who hosts that game, but I really think with two similar resumes, the same current record right now, they're both hovering around that pool C cut line. I think the winner will get a pool C bid and I think the loser will not. That's a tough one in that in a, in a really tough conference. UAA's kind of beat themselves up a little bit this year, haven't they? Yeah, I think there's been a little bit less concentration at the top. I think part of that is that Brandeis, Carnegie Mellon, and Case Western, I think are all better this year than they were last year. And it's spread around a couple more. They've stolen a couple more wins from the top bunch of the conference. And then NYU has beat everybody. And so that kind of next tier all might have one or two fewer wins this year than that kind of group did last year. Um, we should point out, I think that game is at Chicago. Um, 
I think. I'm 90% sure that game's at Chicago. So, again, and Chicago came out gunning this year. They, they look like a dominating team, just second to NYU, before kind of hitting some roadblocks in the middle of the season that has that just not helped kind of keep things stable the rest of the way. Two good teams, though. One might be out, according to Scott. How about another one? The next one is in the ODAC, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. I think if the two and three seeds, Shenandoah and Randolph-Macon, indeed meet in the semifinals, that that will be a play-in game where the winner will get a pool C bid and the loser will not. Um, and I think if either of them happen to lose before that semis matchup, I think they would be on the outside looking in. I can buy it. Uh, that has been a fascinating conference to watch. Uh, WNL certainly has been the cream of that conference, but Randolph Macon came on strong here at the end, and Shenandoah has been an interesting one. I have almost gotten him on the show. We've had a couple of times where we thought about it. So those are two games that are basically, he's calling them playing games, non-conference or not conference championship games, but basically the winner secures themselves likely a chance into the NCAA tournament. The loser will likely be on the outside looking in. That's obviously if a lot of chalk happens. If there's a lot of upsets, you know, that might be a different conversation. They could both be out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, talking points. This one he wants to conferences with multiple strong bid thieves. I loved this one because basically what you're saying is this conference is probably going to take a few bids if things go essentially for others the wrong way. Right. And the first place we're going is the NCAC, where I think there are five teams in play here. So I think DePaul will get a pool C lock regardless of what they do in the NCAA, NCAC tournament. I think all four other teams might be bubble, might be on the outside looking in. It's really hard to say. But I think Ohio Wesleyan, Wittenberg, Denison, Oberlin are all quality teams who have a decent chance to go through and win the, win the automatic bid from the NCAC. And so that's a conference to be watching I'm starting tonight. I think is it Denison and Oberlin that play tonight in I think the the four five matchup that's a pretty close one, whereas the one, two, three seeds might have a little bit of an easier time. Yeah, I was literally jumping into the women's tracker right now to confirm that. Um let's see, yeah, starts tonight. Uh you've got Worcester at DePaul, Hiram at Ohio Wesleyan, Oberlin at Denison, and Kenyon at Wittenberg. And so I do think DePaul is a pool C lock, even if they lose their next game. I think Denison has a very strong resume as well and will be in the pool C conversation. And then I think Wittenberg and Ohio Wesleyan probably need to win two games and maybe, well, two games puts you into the final, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, So So a quarterfinal win and a semifinal with a championship berth. Right. So I think Wittenberg and Ohio Wesleyan will be looking for at least two wins. But in a lot of conferences, like, you know, everyone who's alive can obviously win the conference tournament and be a bid thief. It's just not very realistic for a lot of those teams. And in the NCAC, I think there are five legitimate teams with chances to win that tournament. And again, Oberlin and Denison t- playing each other tonight. So that will have a little bit of an effect on that but again maybe bolsters the resume of one going to your point of increasing the chance at some bid thieves here right and one thing we'll hit later but it's that point where sometimes the two three seeds or the four five seeds have actually a better 
opportunity to strengthen their resume than the one seed. Yeah, no, it's an interesting twist on this whole tournament we've talked a little bit about in the past. Hey, jumping back to the ODAC, um, this one's wild. The, this is also a conference with multiple strong teams. I think their number one team, Washington and Lee, is probably more of a favorite than DePaul is in the NCAC. But in the ODAC tournament, it's a large tournament, 10 teams. I can't remember if they're, I think they are down to eight now. But we've got Washington and Lee, Shenandoah, Randolph-Macon, Bridgewater, and Guilford. And from the just-posted Week 3 regional rankings, Guilford did not get ranked. Southern Virginia was the last team ranked in that region. I thought it was extremely close between those two. But Guilford not being ranked will... It would have helped the resumes of all those ODAC teams ahead of them, whether they have a win or a loss or a couple wins against Guilford. But I think even Bridgewater and Guilford are strong teams that are going to be tough outs in that ODAC tournament. It's a long tournament. I think Macon and Shenandoah are both alive. I don't think it's guaranteed that the if they make the semis, the, that the loser is out. But um, it probably... It would, it would definitely help if Guilford wins a game and becomes ranked, I think, for the rest of the ODAC, uh, which could totally happen. Guilford adding a ranked win and probably increasing their SOS more than Southern Virginia will in that conference could easily see Guilford ranked in the week four rankings that we will not see until after the selections. Right. Uh, just checking quickly, they are not currently ranked right now. WNL's three, Shenandoah four, Randolph making five. Mary Washington out of conference and Southern Virginia out of conference six and seven. Um, so right, Guilford could certainly help strengthen a lot of resumes there if things go in their favor. Um, American Rivers Conference is one we've talked a lot about on the men's side because it has been fascinating up top, though I think it's settled down a little bit. We kind of know who the top teams really are. Um, but this is another one everybody should be watching. It is because I think not. we know Loris is a great team a great contender for winning that conference with Wartburg. <clears throat> I think Loris is, would miss the NCAA tournament if they don't get the pool. A they're just about the, perhaps the best quality basketball team. I think whose resume just doesn't quite have the numbers. Um, they still could sneak in even if they don't win that pool. A, but I think they really do need to win it. So there's a lot of implications for Loris going to this tournament, but all of these teams have been played tough by Co. And so it's it's not a given that we get Loris Wardberg in the final of the American Rivers. Uh, Co could sneak in there, and Co's had a couple really, really narrow losses this year. Again, teams that or conferences where you know things play out the right way, and there are going to be bids, multiple bids going to them. It's not just like a simple upset of a top team. This is this is where multiple places could grab bids that are going to ruin somebody's day somewhere else who might want that bid or need that bid or an example of a top team who feels secure may not be as secure as originally forecast. Uh, the final one, I like this one, the Mac Commonwealth. I think we've quietly behind the scenes been talking about how the messiah just doesn't seem to have the resume this year they might be in a little bit of trouble they might and so we're talking specifically about messiah and widener right i think i got that wrong at some point in the last year called it widener yeah widener you're right sir so i do think messiah has a strong resume i'm projecting them for an 829 winning percentage 543 sos with three wins versus region ranked opponents, but it could be just two. I need to crunch some more numbers and it will be right on the edge, depending on, 
you know, bid thieves and the other, if other resumes just below them end up getting strengthened in their conference tournaments, because Widener will not be ranked. And so Messiah, even if, well, Messiah, there's no way for Messiah to both beat Widener and need a pool C, but Messiah will not be adding any ranked wins to their resume uh, through the end of the year. And I think Widener beat them in their most recent matchup, if I remember correctly. And so that's another one to watch where Messiah might not get a pool C. And so Widener winning the A could be a bid thief. Yeah, Widener beef Messiah back on the 7th, 56 to 50. They lost to Messiah back on the 17th of January, 75-64. Um, so splitting the regular season amongst themselves. Um, but Scott, this is kind of to that point. You know, it's great to be the top dog. And I think we're already seeing a few conferences. Remember back in Thomas More days in the PAC, they developed this double round buy essentially for the top teams or top team in that case to avoid playing some of the lower ranked teams because it was going to hurt their resumes to some degree sos numbers lack of results versus regionally ranked it's kind of a, a catch-22 the catch t- you mean that the top seed gets to hosts but well, it- the ca- top team gets to host top team is in a great position they don't have to play the toughest teams till the end but as a result they don't do anything to bolster resume in case they suddenly need to fall back on that resume. Right. Now, a lot of conferences have gone to the 16 model where the top two seeds get a buy. And so that guarantees that your top seed uh, is m- most likely to face the four seed rather than the five or the six. And odds are that even the fourth best team in your conference is not going to drag your SOS down much. But it's fairly common for both teams two and three to be ranked and that to be a ranked win for one of them that the top team doesn't get an opportunity for. I think a great example of this is the landmark this year, uh, not the landmark, the Liberty league. Well, the landmark too, but the Liberty league is has Ithaca, Vassar and Skidmore. I believe Vassar is the number one seed, but I think if they don't win the a, they could be in real trouble um, for, you know, their, their head to heads over Skidmore have kept them higher ranked in the region and seeded one in that tournament. But I don't think they have the resume nationally to get a pool C bid. I think Ithaca has a better chance of getting a pool C. But both Ithaca and Skidmore get a crack at a ranked win in the Liberty League semis if they face each other. Great point. Um, <laughs> and this is where you, you, you know, I saw Bob Quillman, I think it was last night, post something about, you know, UAA is the only one with a non-tournament. We all know the reason for that. Or maybe it was a couple of days ago. I'm, I'm getting some messages messed up but you know why would anybody have a conference tournament in this day and age in division three there's a lot of reasons why everybody in the ncaa except the uaa have conference tournaments now at division one there's a lot of money involved obviously in airing those conference terms etc but at the division three level it's about the student athlete experience it's the idea that you make a tournament and you still have a chance to make the ncaa and have that aq that it doesn't rely just on the first you know handful of games in the regular season to determine whether you're playing in the NCAA tournament. But to this point, the resume can get dinged a little bit in said conference tournament. It's a, it, again, back to the saying, it's a catch 22. They can either get dinged or just stay the same, but get passed. Right. Because those other teams have, you know, oftentimes a ranked opportunity. Another one is the, well, this doesn't really affect Rhode Island college in the little East, but Dartmouth and MIT, facing off in the 
potentially in the semis is a ranked opportunity for each of them. Um, Rhode Island College will, of course, still have a top two, top four resume. Um, but yeah, it well, is there's another conference, by a, the way, a, a good conference to have three ranked teams. And so those two and three in the semis have a real big opportunity at this point in the year to improve their resume. Yeah, region two is full of it. Rhode, Rhode Island College is one. Smith is two. When you look at Smith, they've got Springfield right behind them at three and MIT sitting behind them at five. Ah, if you look yes. at Rhode Island College, you got UMass Dartmouth behind them at four. Um, I, I mixed that up. It, no, it's okay. It's yeah, new, but the new it, Mac was Smith, Springfield, and MIT. Right, but still, it's the same point. And I think LEC. I keep screwing this up. I think Western New England's part of the LEC. Um, or my point is, there's no, another Western one. New England is the CCC. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was. It's screw Eastern that up. Connecticut. That's in Eastern and Western Connecticut in right. LEC. And. They're just on the outside looking in. So, again, multiple teams in the regional rankings, which, by the way, just got posted. You can go to d3hoops.com to see the latest rankings. And I quickly want to pivot there, Scott, while I've got you um, before letting you go. Nothing jumps out at me right now. There's a couple of things, but nothing major jumps out at me. Region 1, Bowdoin's 1, Bates 2, Trinity 3. I don't think there's a startle there, except that the NESCAC has all top four spots. Framingham State's kind of getting buried a little bit. I don't think that's a startle. Maine Maritime making the rankings at seven is a nice little note. We just mentioned Rhode I'm, Island. I'm su- surprised by Maine Maritime. I oh, you would are? have guessed Albertus, Albertus Magnus. Um, I just thought Maine Maritime had a strength of schedule far too low to be ranked. And it's similarly low as Framingham's, but Framingham has, you know, 200 points of winning percentage on all the other teams in consideration. Well, so I and think- it has teams that they played who are regionally ranked in other regions, thanks to going out to Vegas. Um, I think this is where a little bit where you see the women don't lean completely on the SOS number as much as we see on the men's. Uh, we mentioned Region Two, Region Three, just as I would have thought. Would you, about about what you expected, right? Yeah, yeah. Two, three, four, five are all the the teams that I expected. I haven't do- dove in, dived into the specific I know rankings into. Uh, <laughs> The specific rankings in each region. In Region 6, I was a tiny bit surprised at Southern Virginia over Guilford, but I think that those two are very, very similar. But a key piece there is Berea falls out. So any teams right. that have beat Berea will lose that ranked win unless Berea gets re-ranked in Week 4, and I do not think that that is likely. No, fair point. Um, one that jumped out at me, by the way, Region 3, SUNY New Paltz, then Vassar Skidmore, we kind of hinted on that a moment ago. Uh, region four, New Jersey City sitting at third, thanks to a a, bul- a pretty bulky results versus regionally ranked in an SOS number at 16 and 7, 17 8 overall, but 16 and 7 in their division three. Ahead of Arcadia at 21 and 4. We talk about blocks. You know, it's going to be hard to get through the NJAC. No guarantees New Jersey City is able to do that. That could end up blocking Arcadia from possibly getting into the tournament. It absolutely could, um, because none of these resumes, I think, will stack up very well nationally. But it is very interesting that Arcadia, with 144 points of winning percentage um, advantage over New Jersey City, and only 11 points of strength of schedule behind, ends up behind them. Um, New Jersey City is 4-4 four and four versus region-ranked opponents, and Arcadia is 1-2. and two. Um, But... I will be interested to dig into those and see if there's any common opponents or other things doing some lifting there. Because in week two, I did not see the difference in wins versus region ranked opponents carrying 
that much value for such a small strength of schedule difference between the two. Fair. Region 5, I think uh, what we've been saying last week held true. Scranton moved ahead of Gettysburg. There were Scranton fans online who were losing their minds. They weren't in the top 16, but they weren't they weren't even in the conversation to get ahead of Hopkins. They're still not ahead of Hopkins because Hopkins has a very good SOS number and results against that SOS number. But Scranton does yes. move into third, and this is an example you were talking about earlier. Landmark Conference, Scranton's going to get a chance here to continue to bolster this resume. Hopkins has one chance at it, essentially, and that's coming up should they and Gettysburg be playing in the championship game. Scranton is moving in the right direction. They are. And if Scranton beats Elizabethtown and then Catholic, I could easily see Scranton ending up ranked first in the region and something like 11th or 12th overall especially if hopkins loses to gettysburg especially but almost but potentially even if okay hopkins beats gettysburg because scranton Scranton could add those two ranked wins gets them above catholic and i don't know how that three team would work you know right right committee would put hopkins above catholic but anyway no great point but even sitting at a two in a great spot to host even sitting at three, I think they're in a great spot to host. Because Catholic, if they stay there, can't host. Not that that would have a big factor geography-wise. Scranton's closer to the New York schools. So you just an opportunity. Again, back to you Scranton Royal fans who were out there bitching and complaining last week. They weren't in the top 16s. Slow down. This was coming. We all saw it coming. And Gettysburg lost, as we pointed out, Dickinson, who fell out of the rankings. That hurts their VRRO. And now is going to be a major factor. Gettysburg may be in a position where they've Definitely got to get to the title game. Maybe win it. I think, I think they're going to be just fine. Okay, they, they've got they've got good numbers across the board. Um, their VRO is a little bit light, but I think the winning percentage and strength of schedule can take a semis loss and be a pool C, no problem. All right, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Region seven seems about what I expected it to be. Maybe W and J low, but W and J was going to be low. Um, Transylvania yeah, has this, region eight locked up, but back to seven. This one had Denison, who was fifth last week, falling out. Fair. Because I believe Denison lost a game and then Wittenberg moves in because Wittenberg beat Ohio Wesleyan in a NCAC regular season game. So I think these are the seven teams that I would have expected. I would actually have WNJ even lower. I would have them seventh because their sos and vro are, are pretty um but that's, again that's where the women to. tend to lean on the win loss at some point they finally kind of give the nod to you at least getting to this point doing a pretty good job of winning at some point i think it does require a winning percentage at or above 900 which you do see with framingham yeah. state washington and jefferson and you saw it with berea last week um, but the 495 sos from wnj i think would put them in some trouble if they need a pool seat bid yeah and we've seen that before certainly um by the way that does that change your denison oberlin game tonight in any way or do you think it's still significant because they'd move on and, and play someone significant in their conference it's still significant but it's now the denison oberlin game so they're neither of them are ranked so it will not be a ranked win i mean both are strong teams they could still win that conference tournament and Agreed. whoever Whoever wins this game, if they win another game, could find themselves ranked, which has cascading implications right. throughout the, the rest of the NCAC. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, quickly, Trans- uh, Region 8, didn't, no surprise there in my book. You obviously have the CCIW mess 
of Illinois Wesleyan, Carol Milliken, but a lot of head-to-head games you can use to break that up. To your point, Wash U Chicago sitting sitting in 5-6, the loser of that game. Yeah, they're in, they're in some trouble here. Yes, I think they are in some trouble. And region this Region 8 is also, we can look at Webster, who's, who is still unranked. Still not ranked, yeah. Um, undefeated with a 470 SOS. I do think that there's a large difference in a 470 SOS and Washington and Jefferson's 495. Agreed. And it looks like the committee agrees, right? So even undefeated, there is some line where they're like, we think the opponent quality really takes a drop off. Um, and the line is somewhere between... 470 and 495 the wnj framingham berea sos yep territory i'm with you uh region nine whitewater on top of oshkosh on top of wartburg on top of gustavus stout concordia loris um just a note you know we'll see how the mayak changes this is a great snapshot of this into the future when they change their scheduling gustavus could be a little bit higher in the future it's their conference it's hurting them a little bit here but again i don't i don't see any startled startles here no i think this one is exactly as i expected but yeah if you know if we fast forward 12 months um the mayak with is it six extra no three extra non-conference games i think it's three extra yeah yeah three three extra you could see 15 to 25 points of sos higher for both gustavus and concordia and i think you could easily see gustavus ahead of warburg if they have that extra sos right now uh region 10 a lot of losses here. I know you've been absolutely fascinated, especially with the Northwest Conference, to some degree in this. Uh, how do you think these these rankings are? This is the fascinating one. So Harden-Simmons moves ahead of Mary Harden-Baylor. They got 80 points of winning percentage, but they're behind about 20 on SOS. But they've got an extra ranked win. They're both one one and one head-to-head. And I think actually Harden-Simmons is better versus common opponents. And they have a lot of common opponents. So... I was actually, I was initially very surprised by this, but a quick peek of the numbers think that I might absolutely agree with having Harden Simmons ahead of Mary Harden Baylor. And, but I think we are headed for a crash course where the winner of that conference tournament, if they face again, is going to be the one hosting a pod out of region 10, because we will need a Texas host, I believe. And only one of them can host. And so I think if Mary Harden-Baylor beats Harden-Simmons, they will jump back ahead. And we'll also see if maybe the committee can ship one of them out. We'll see how it all plays out. But, uh, yeah, Texas is Texas, right? Scott, appreciate the tech. Yeah, because that means two extra flights, right? Shipping you never know. one out because then you got to. You heard them on the last week's show. They're going to try and get the, the NCAA to say no as many times as they possibly can. Maybe wear them down to get <laughs> what they want. Well, you never know how that might yeah. shake out um hey appreciate the time um i know you got to get going but appreciate the dive especially look at these rankings right you know gut shot reaction to them as always though give you the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those ahead of the final few days here of the season i i don't i mean every game is tremendously exciting so we just get to enjoy as many games that have crazy implications it reminds me of how playoff baseball just feels so different than you know game 150 which still had impact but there's just something different when you know that someone is going home almost every single game and it's pretty much that way from here on out no well said no that's i agree with you it's crazy it it, difference of two weeks makes ratchet things up quite a bit hey take care we'll look forward to getting you back here on um on Sunday as it it is and talking to you then. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. We'll talk soon.
See you later. Scott Peterson joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate the time he gave us, Eric, especially the gut reaction on the women's side of things to the uh, latest regional rankings. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into the men's side real quick, give you an update on uh, schedule. Also, interesting coaching tidbit or news in the last 24 hours that we dove into that we'll dive into a little bit more. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Thanks to our friends also at Sport Tours International. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are well. Uh, lots to talk about still in Division Three. We won't be able to get to all of it tonight, uh, but I appreciate everyone who has joined us here on the show. Um, quickly looking at a couple of things. I knew I had to update our total, which I hadn't done. Uh, we've actually gotten about a tenth of the way to our total, so I'm just working on that. Bear with me. Um, I knew there was something missing in our fundraising total, and I just hadn't gotten the right numbers, so we'll do that now there we go and i'll confirm it as we talk uh, men's and women's rankings have come out the regional rankings the week three ones so the first ones we truly get to see all the data thanks to scott peterson reacting on the women's side on the men's side trinity connecticut the number one tough sitting at two with williams three st joseph's now four albertus fagnus five um keen state is on top of region two with Nichols t- at two clark at three ahead of wpi which i think is interesting Western New England is a five with the Brandeis having to be ranked at 14 and 10 at the sixth spot. Uh, Region three, Oswego's in the lead. Hobart, then St. Lawrence, Utica. Region four is NYU, followed by Rowan, then DeSales, Stockton. Uh, Region five is Widener, Hood, Catholic, Eastern, Swarthmore, Gettysburg, Hopkins. Centennial Conference is in an interesting spot with Swarthmore sitting in the five, thanks to a win over Hopkins. 
I find most interesting is I thought Gettysburg Gettysburg sweep. I should know this because I call so many Gettysburg games, but I'm trying to remember if Gettysburg um, swept Swarthmore this season. Um, Forgive me for not knowing that off the top of my head. Yeah, they swept them, so they find themselves behind Swarthmore. A lot's going to change in the conference tournament, obviously, but I think that's fascinating. Region 6, Hamden, Sydney, Randolph, Macon, Guilford, then Virginia, Wesley, Christopher, Newport. Region 7 is Case, then John Carroll, Trine, Calvin. John Carroll could slip further if they don't win out. Um, Calvin in the four spot with Carnegie Mellon sitting in the five. Wash U leads one, is in the lead spot in Region 8, followed by Illinois Wesleyan, who jumps to number two. Then Elmhurst, then Anderson, then Wisconsin Lutheran, then Chicago. So not a really strong Region 8. But we knew that because nobody um, from Region 8 made the top 16. Region 9 continues to be Platteville, then Nebraska Wesleyan, followed by Code Dubuque Loris at ARC Quadrant. Uh, St. John's is sitting in six. That's a warning side to the Johnnies. Region 10, it's Calou, followed by Trinity, Texas. We just talked to Cameron Hill. Then St. Thomas, Texas, Pomona Pitzer, Claremont Scripps, Harden Simmons, Mary Harden Baylor. So a lot to break out in that Region 10 on the men's side as well. We'll talk more about the men's side coming up on Thursday. Zach Snyder looks to be joining us to do very much what Scott Peterson just did on the women's side. We'll talk to him coming up on Thursday about games to watch, teams to watch, the implica- implications of all of that. That's coming up Thursday. Again, that is a 1 p.m. show here on the afternoon matinee edition um, of the program. So we'll look forward to that. Um, Again, new top 25s came out. If you missed all of those, we talked about them earlier in the program. I appreciate uh, if you were able to tune in to that. Um, As Pat Coleman said, the timing of the rankings could have been better. You're right. When I put this show together and was thinking about it, I'm like, well, the rankings could come out, but they've been out after we would have gone off the air normally. But you never know. Week threes tend to come out a little bit sooner. And lo and behold, they did come out sooner. Got a great reaction from Scott on the fly there with all of that. A little bit of an interesting tidbit behind the scenes um, with coaching. There was a tweet yesterday um, that one of – there was a coach – Two coaches in the pencil in Pennsylvania that were in a little bit of trouble, for lack of a better um, saying. Uh, one was that the job was going to be opening, and the second was that a coach was suspended. We'll start with the suspension one. I dove into that one. There's no coach currently suspended. There is a coach who was recently suspended. David McGreal had apparently sus- uh, served a three-game suspension at Penn State Altoona. Uh, dating back to a game, apparently, I believe at the end of January, uh, the timing works out that it was a game, I think, and a loss at Mount Aloysius. He was then suspended for three games against Alfred State, Carlo, and Penn State Baron. The team went one and two in that stretch. But according to Coach McGreal, who who I did contact and got back to me, uh, he has been back on the bench for the last two games against Pint Bradford and LaRoche. They got the win over LaRoche, which qualified them for the tournament. They'll be taking on Alfred State, by the way, coming up here tonight. Uh, win 100 was the LaRoche game. Not sure all the details. Uh, there's plenty of rumors out there, but he is not currently suspended, nor does it look like 
I, I don't think he's in any jeopardy of losing the job. I've heard some interesting things behind the scenes. Nothing I can report because, again, they're all um, speculation or scuttlebutt or rumor or whatever the case may be. The, the long story short is, yes, McGreal, who's a member of the National Committee, by the way, uh, was suspended for three games and has been back for the last two. So that was the other thing that was weird about the report yesterday was he wasn't currently suspended. Now, I got wind of it from sources as well who indicated he was suspended, but I think a lot of people just didn't realize what was going on. There's been a lot of kind of hushed words coming out about it. I don't know what happened. I don't. I, I got the sense it was a post-game situation. Um, some have said that, emotions ran high uh i don't know but uh, mcgreal i'm a i'll try to speak that one again mcgreal was once again suspended for three games he's been back for the last two he'll be on the bench for the uh, upcoming conference tournament in the amcc as well the other one is about a coaching job opening in pennsylvania the only thing that my sources can point to is likely allegheny um josh clemens is the interim head coach essentially there um after a coaching change in the offseason ahead of this year uh the team is six and 19 after going 20 and 10 last season and being near the top of the pac race um i don't know well josh isn't labeled as an interim head coach on their website there's talk from what i've heard he took over the job uh after being the assistant coach in july he was elevated to interim head coach in august but again, they don't label him as an, as the interim head coach, so I don't know if if I missed when he actually got the actual title of head coach. Um, but disappointing season, I think, by Allegheny's standards, they have not lost this many games since the 2018 season when they were five and 20. Um, not sure. There's There's been maybe speculation that that job's opening. If he is still actually the interim head coach, it may be that Allegheny is just going through the proper process of opening that job. So a couple of little interesting news and notes in uh, Division Three coaching, especially in the realm of Pennsylvania. Um, fundraising. Wanted to talk about that really quick, if, if you have a moment. Um, we have not been as successful as we normally are in the past. That's partially my fault, admittedly. Um, but we, uh, we're still trying to get to our goal. I think I have this right. I'm actually double-checking that I didn't miss something else here in terms of uh, one, two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure our, our, our total is updated correctly. There, there are, I know a couple of checks coming in from individuals who sent us checks. I have not put those on there. Oh, actually, I can put one on there. I apologize um, because I did get it. I just hadn't sent it to the bank yet. So there we go. We're now over uh, 10, 10% of the way to our goal. Um, there are individuals who have sent us checks, and we appreciate that. And so that is the update there, as you can see, on our on our tilt board. Um, if you want to send us a check, contact me. I'll give you our address. Otherwise, Venmo is a great option. But there is another, and we put it on our show page. And that is um, a Amazon wish list, for lack of a better description. Um, oh, I thought this would call it up, but it did not. Bear with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna call this up. Uh, yep, that's what I want. Please refresh. It's not refreshed. There it goes. Um, so it's it's a wish list of sorts. Sorry for the flashing. Under, I'm not sure why it why it's having issues here today, but um, I'm gonna turn off the the audio there. Let's see if that helps. Um, 
So this is a wish list on Amazon. You can go up here when you get to this wish list. There's a link on the page. Go to filter and sort, and you can put it from high to low. So that basically our high priority items are at the top, and our lower priority ones are at the bottom. Some of these are just flat out wish items, folks. But people have always asked, how can we contribute to your studio, contribute to your work, contribute contribute to other things that you all are doing? And so I put a wish list together. Some of them are pie-in-the-sky ideas. Some of them are items that we certainly could use upgrades to in our situation here. As I say, this is a list of items that are need, either needed in the Hoopsville Studio or remote productions, or they are wish items. Many have asked us how they can help even offering to buy things that we need. This is a way to, for us to provide ideas that we have for Hoopsville and other D3 work. We don't have to buy those items here. If you think there's a better option somewhere else, you are more than welcome to go and look that up elsewhere. Sorry for the flashy flashy there on the screen. Um, so we have a link there. We'll, we'll tweet out that link a little bit later as well, just so people have an idea. It's just, I know people have been interested in that. And so there you go. That is our, uh, essentially our, um, our wish list for production. So several ways you can contribute, uh, you can donate via ben, Venmo or Give Butter. There's information on the on the um, show on the uh, show page about Give Butter. Forgive the totals on Give Butter; it's complicated. I didn't want to restart a new campaign. We stuck with an old campaign, so the, the giving numbers are a little bit wonky there. Um, you can also send us a check, or if you want to purchase something that we need for the studio, we have that on Amazon.com. As a result, we have a link to that specific um, spot, as it were. So. There you go. Lots of ways you can contribute and help us out if you so choose. We certainly appreciate that. Again, our goal is at the top of your screen. We have a lot of bills in the offseason, but more importantly, this takes a lot of our time, and we have big goals for this show, and we hope to spend this offseason transitioning towards those. And your help, as always, has been appreciated. With that, we're going to sign off. Again, Monday or coming up Thursday, we'll be on the air at 1 o'clock Eastern Time with another daily show. Sunday, the plan right now is to be on air at 5 p.m. Whether we'll do the men's or women's panels first is to be decided. I'm leaning towards doing men first only because with bracketing and decisions about bracketing, our D3 Hoops crew behind the scenes needs to know who we likely think will be hosting. So it's helpful to get the men out of the way first, followed by the women, but to be determined. Um, we will cross that bridge later. But that's looking to be a 5 p.m. show. Could move back, but I like it kind of at the 5 p.m. slot. We'll see if we can pull that off. Then on Monday, the NCA shows are at 1 for the men and 2.30 for the women Eastern Time. I'm looking forward to participating in those once again. And then that evening at 7 o'clock, we will have our Bracket Breakdown show. Both the selection show and the Bracket Breakdown show will hear from the committees. In the Sunday show, it'll be more just a reminder about how this all works out and any questions that we may have about the rankings we saw today. And then on the Monday show, it'll be a reaction to the decisions they made, not only in at-large bids, but with um, bracketing as well. Reminder, Zach Snyder, look, uh, we're working with him and ne- talking to him in negotiations about from the D3 Datacast crew to join us on Thursday to do what Scott Peterson did today in breaking down the women's uh, games to watch and all that, and even his thoughts on the regional rankings. Also, the great news, D3 Boards is back up and running as of today. Great tweet earlier today from, I think, our friend Greg Sager. I'm double-checking it. Um, I got a kick out of it. Pat retweeted it himself uh it reads i i won't quote gerald r ford and say that our long national nightmare is over but my long national nightmare is over d3boards.com is back thank you d3 hoops for midwifing the phoenix back from the ashes or something like that 
I agree. It's great to have it back. If you are a coach who's been looking to try and find some games and use that as a resource, it's back. Uh, if you are just enjoying a talk about Division Three sports, it's back, and we look forward to having all of you there. I know it's always been a fun resource for me. i got to get back now into the habit of logging on and checking out all the great information. In the meantime, I want to thank all of our guests who came on the show today and their sports information departments. Brock Erickson from um, Nichols, uh, Eric Brennan from Rowan, and Cameron Hill from Trinity, Texas. Of course, thanks to Scott Peterson, but thanks to the Rowan Nichols and Trinity, Texas Sports Information Athletic Communications Departments for their assistance in helping us talk about uh, their programs. Uh, Thursday, unsure who will go, but we have lots of ideas and we'll start sending out invitations relatively soon. Um, last bit of note, I wanted to share with this one that I, th- I found rather interesting. The last time Dave Hickson won a game at Amherst was against Rochester with Rochester at home in the NCAA tournament. Luke Flickertsy, the former assistant under Dave Hickson, as head coach at Rochester. And Rochester was forced to sit on the away bench at their own home gym due to the quirks that are the NCAA tournament. We believe that was Dave Hickson's last win at Amherst. I found that stat to be absolutely fascinating. The quirks of Division III NCAA tournament play. With that, we'll sign off until Thursday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate your support of our show and the support of our work. We'll look forward to catching up to you on Thursday. If you missed any of the show live, it'll be on demand here shortly video-wise, and we'll get the podcast up in the next 30 minutes as well. Thanks to all of you who tune into the podcast. I know it's a rather popular place as well. By the way, donations certainly help because we'll try and do more shows in the offseason moving forward as well. Thanks, everybody, behind the scenes as well. Again, thanks to Pat Coleman for resurrecting D3 boards and keeping the oral history alive there on the boards. Thanks to Gordon Mann and Ryan Scott, Scott Peterson and Matt Snyder and everybody else who does a lot of the work and helps chat and kind of guide me in some of the directions I need, especially on long weekends like I just had completely away from Division Three. Thanks to the family as well, and thanks to all of you for tuning in and enjoying the show. Whether you're watching us on our Team One Sports stream or you're watching us on our live stream on either Facebook or YouTube, we certainly appreciate it, and thank you for taking the time. With that, we'll sign off. We'll see you Thursday right here at 1 p.m. Eastern for more talk about Division Three. because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. You all take care, and we'll see you back here Thursday.